Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We've had the 24th of January. Uh, good show today on the afternoons with Steffi. We had our first hour, we were talking about the possibility of opening up Super Rugby and let some um, international players in. I'd quite like to see a couple of marquee players or non-New Zealanders involved. We've had a sprinkling, but open it up even more just to inject some... Oh, I think it would inject some interest. It really would. Look what Pablo Matera did to the Crusaders. Anyway, that was Midday Madness the first hour. Then we talked to Chloe Knott. She's the Wellington Phoenix women's midfielder on the back of their 5-0 victory over Canberra in the weekend. Uh, speaking of victories, Corey Sweeney, he headed the Black Fern Sevens with his coaching cap on. And, of course, they won in Hamilton. Good chat with Corey. Ben Volan, the Boston Globe senior NFL rider. We talked NFL playoffs and was this the year for the Buffalo Bills? And it's not going to be. Eventually got to talk to Julian King across the ditch as well. And our usual bits and bobs today, we had a look at what's making news around the world. And we played the vault. We got close. We got real close. And we also had uh, draft day today, which is uh, our biggest rip-offs. Mine, Sammy's, and Captain K's. What are our biggest rip-offs paying too much for? Some good stuff coming out of that. This is the Afternoons with Staffy podcast. You can subscribe here, right here where you're listening, and you won't miss a beat. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. The new midday theme tune is selected by Sammy Hewitt and agreed upon by me and Captain Co. Good tunes, good tunes. Good to have your company on this Tuesday, Draft Day Tuesday. Draft Day Tuesday, which uh, happens just after two. It is back. Me, Sammy, Captain K. We pick our top five, all sorts of different things. And today's the top five biggest rip-offs. Supermarkets, petrol stations, wherever you do your shopping, What's a big rip-off? You can send through your nominations. Um, I've sort of settled on my top five, but I'll need more because those boys in the production booth, they'll flog some of mine like they always do. Look over my shoulder. Um, also coming up today, we got Chloe Knott, Wellington Phoenix women's midfielder. Um, and an unbelievable result considering they hadn't won a game this season. And they won not 1-0, they won 5-0 against Canberra, who were mid-table. So good signs for Wellington Phoenix women's side. Chloe Knott will join us uh, just after one um, and combine that with Phoenix getting a win and Alex Rufus' first goal in a century. Great stuff. Uh, 2.20. 
Ish, Corey Sweeney, Blackfern Sevens coach after his side won uh, back-to-back titles, well, back-to-back Hamilton titles over the weekend. They were emphatic. They were incredible. So we'll catch up with Corey about what makes them tick and why so good. Uh, ben Volan, had him on the show before. He's a wonderful senior NFL rider out of the Boston Globe. We're talking through the NFL playoffs that we saw over the weekend and uh, in particular the two games coming up. But I do want to ask him about my Buffalo Bills who were pretty comfortably beaten yesterday in home conditions, snow, but they couldn't get over it. Uh, but fairly high-profile injury to the Kansas City Chiefs key man, Pat Mahomes, with a high ankle sprain. Will that affect them? Well, of course it will, but will it affect them enough to not win? Um, so Ben Volan, uh, we're going to go live over to Melbourne to talk tennis. We've just uh, got a few messages out to a few of the reporters that are actually there live. Don't know who it is, who it's going to be, but it'll be someone at 3 o'clock. And 3.45, Jimmy Smith across the ditch. Good to reunite with him. Midday Madness today. Oh, we've also got the vault today, by the way, people. Um, Chris from Foxton kicked it off yesterday. He's narrowed it down a bit. Uh, if you can get it today, $150 TRB bonus bet will be yours on the vault. Five questions today. I'll ask one of them, you ask four of them. See if you can pick what is locked up in Sammy Hewitt's vault, which sporting moment is locked up in Sammy's vault. Um, Midday Madness, I wanted to talk about this story. Uh, the Highlanders citing Freddie Burns, the former England first five. It seems to be people are, ga- are saying... Um, does that expose lack of depth in the 10 jersey in New Zealand? Um, on the face of it, you might say yes, but I look a bit deeper and I say no. Like, every super rugby team will have three three players, will have definitely two first string, well, first five-eights, that's their number one position, first five-eight. And they'll probably have a third that can go there as well. So that's 15 first fives just out of New Zealand. So I don't think it shows a lack of depth at 10, I mean, a lack of depth at everything. Prop is probably the one because, I don't know, every Super Rugby team probably has four or five props. Say five props, that's 25 props you've got to find from New Zealand. The signing of Freddie Burns, and I don't want to get off side there, it excites me. I like it when these international players come into our Super Rugby competition. Now, we don't see the South Africans in Super Rugby anymore. They're playing in the Northern Hemisphere. And I was saying to Sammy Hewitt this morning, I quite like the idea of seeing, you know, players like Rob Valentini, um, um, even Itzabeth, uh, get get some British, uh, Marcus Marcus Smith, Marcus, uh, the other probably guy that came down and played in Auckland. That was fun. Uh, James Haskell, when he came and played in high, it's just, I just find it interesting. And all the other big professional sporting leagues in the world have international players. We talked to Atari yesterday. It's probably half the roster would be New Zealand and the rest is Korea, Japan, America, Australia, uh, the NBL, American imports, um, just locally. And then the ANBL, Australian National Basketball League, we got three really good Americans. And I think it spices it up. Big Bash, players from all around the world, IPL, no nationalism there. So by... I feel like I would enjoy Super Rugby more if you say I'd be really interested to see how this Scottish halfback goes uh, 
as the reserve halfback for the Hurricanes or the Chiefs or whatever. Um, there's been sprinklings of international players coming in, and I think the edict from New Zealand rugby is if you can't fill it with a high enough level player, you are allowed to bring one in. And I remember the Hurricanes got a Vandermeerva or something, that his name was something like that, as a prop because New Zealand just didn't have enough props. Um, and props are highly paid in the French competition, so props is probably an area. But how would you feel about getting some international flavour into our New Zealand-based super rugby? And even go a step further, who would you like to see come over? And I think it would inject some interest to see these guys. And if it means the depth isn't here for New Zealand, does that make those ones who are just below the tier work a bit harder to get into that top tier? 0800-150-811, it is Midday Madness. We will go to the phones immediately, and we talk to Ed. G'day, Ed. Jonas, Savvy, um, let me introduce you to Dala May. Dala May, say hello. 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 Over here, you the pizza. No, well, not for Christian. Anyway, I got a tip for you, bro. Yep. My water bottles to work, and I fill them up with from the water cooler. <laughs> not a bad the idea. Big bottles and take them home. And um, talking about the old, is he a standoff or is he a halfback? Um, he, going to the Highlanders. He's first five. Oh, well, smash him! That'll sort him out. <laughs> Just smash there you him. Go, Sammy, that's people today. <laughs> Cheers, mate. See you, boy. Oh, yes. Um, do, do you like the idea of some international players coming and getting involved in Super Rugby here? And who would you like to see? Like, imagine a Will Skelton rolling out in a Chiefs jersey. I'd quite like that. Or does the concentration, and I know there's an argument that it takes a, a spot of a New Zealander, how do you feel about it? I quite like the idea, and you could make it a maximum of two per squad, and only one can start. It's a bit. I think that's what they do in Japan, don't they? When they they might have four New Zealanders in their squad, but I think they're only allowed to play two or three. They're limited by that. Um, but oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven is our number. I think we can talk to Mikey in Christchurch. G'day, Mikey. G'day, mate. Hey, I like the idea. I don't see anything wrong with it. I think the people who sort of criticise it, we're in this kind of weird position at the moment, rugby, whereas we're not on top of the world anymore. We've had a horrible last couple of years in terms of the, the top stage. Um, and maybe we're all just feeling a little bit sort of like, oh, you know, on edge. And now they're bringing players over. But nothing wrong with that. Martin Johnson came over 25 years ago. Mm. He had a great time, I think, playing King Country and, and what have you. How good is that? The other good thing, I think, is that we get these players who, unlike some New Zealand players I could name, who are at the end of their careers, these guys are at the start or the middle of their careers. So we're getting young, hungry guys from overseas coming to play, and we get to tap some of their experience now. It used to be like we we were the ones telling them how to do it. Well, I don't think there's anything wrong learning how other people do it. In fact, I think we need to, right? Mm. And I, yeah, I've seen Brock James just came into my head, the Aussie guy. He came and played, uh, Jesus, was he Hurricanes in Taranaki or something like that? Um, and I quite enjoy that. It's something a little bit different, and they will learn, and we can learn off them as well. And I think, yeah, absolutely. And that, that Japanese halfback who played for um, yes. the Islanders for a while, he had a bit of a cult following. That's good for the crowd. 
God, when we had Tableau, how <laughs> that was awesome for us Cantabrians. Because, mm. again, not, not only a great player, but a bit of a cult figure as well, you know. Has a bit of presence on the world stage, so um, no, I'm all for it. I mean, it, it, they're not they're not obviously coming for the money, no, because <laughs> we don't pay like French clubs or English clubs, so they're coming for the experience, and uh, I don't see anything wrong with that. And you they're know the all thing, coaches, you, why can't we have some of their players? Yeah, you know the thing about Pablo Montero, which you, which you've just raised, is um, all of a sudden rugby fans in Argentina are watching Super Rugby. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's a good thing, and and. Uh, Hopefully we see a bit more of it. Mm. Cool, man. Thanks, Mikey. All right. Thanks, Cheers, mate. Cheers, Cheers. Bud. Um, we'll go to Paraparaumu and talk to Zane. G'day, Zane. Morning, Staffy. Yeah, um, interesting topic, this one, and I have to say I 100% agree with you. As someone who's kind of drifted out of having an interest in super footy for a while, um, look at the NRL. I think it's 40% of the players there are either New Zealand or Pacifica background. Mm-hmm. I would, If you've got maybe 20% of the players playing super footy, Mixed up, like if we're playing with Australia, you're like letting their players play here, our players play there, bringing in guys um, from other markets. Like if Quade Cooper was first uh, first five for the Canes, I would be way more likely to watch, to be yeah. completely honest. Yeah. I mean, you're just going to tune in to see how it'd go as well. well. It just brings a bit of character. I think that's what we lack a little bit in New Zealand's domestic sport. Like you look at the... Um, the big, what do we call it? The big cricket 22, uh, 2020 thing? Not the big bash. Super smash, yeah. Super smash. There's just a lack of personality in New Zealand professional sport. It's, I don't know why it's sort of coached out of them, but bringing in those guys with personality who you have hated playing for the opposition to all of a sudden start liking at your franchise, would be a great dynamic. Oh, I think it would be brilliant. And even, even coaching as well, like imagine getting... Phil Warren as a specialist forwards coach or something or, or a breakdown coach or a technical coach for the Chiefs to give them or the Highlanders or I'm not saying any team. Now I just think it brings a little bit of extra like Ronan O'Gara when he came to the Crusaders I thought it added exactly. a little bit of little bit of something. It's, it's arrogance thinking we're the only ones who know anything in protect, protectionism but it can't hurt to have your opposition coming in and teaching you what they're doing so that when you go and play them as an all black you have an insight. Yeah. Got to be a good thing. Yeah, I'm with you. Thanks, Zane. Thanks, mate. Cheers, buddy. Uh, text from Ken saying, uh, Staffy Joe Merchant played for the Blues a couple of years back and said it was the best move he made. So I don't mind it as long as it's not overloaded. Yeah, I, I want to keep a check on the numbers. I'm with you there, Ken. But now it's just us in Australia. Um, and Australia were threatening to walk away, although I think it was a bit of a veiled threat. I don't think they were going to follow through with it. Um we need a little bit of variety. Super rugby, really, the only change is it went backwards when South Africa pulled out. And now we've got this deal with Australia, which is signed, what was it, till 2030 or something. We need a little bit of change. And I think that will provide just a little bit of spark. And God help me, the Australian teams need a little bit of assistance and a little bit of zing because they, they freely admit they haven't got the depth of players in rugby in Australia to fill all those rosters in the Australian Super Rugby teams. So inject them with, um, give them 15 marquee players, put three in each side, two on the field at any one time. I think it would be brilliant. And whether you get young Joe Merchants that came to the Blues or a 32, 33-year-old who's done his time in the England Premiership or the French Top 14 or a 
someone who's been playing in Japan and came came back. I I just feel like it would increase the interest. Well, it would for me. Would it for you? 0800 811 and chuck me a couple of names as well. You can either ring me on that number or double eight double three is the temper bed post text machine. You're on afternoons with Staffy with a big thanks to Gull. They fuel your mission all year round. We'll be back after a short break. Give us a yell. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. 0800-150-811 is the number. I want you to give us a bit of a whistle on. Um, you're feeling about getting some marquee players, some international players injected into our Super Rugby competition, both our teams and the Australian teams. It would benefit the Australian teams possibly more. And I'm not poo-pooing Australia, but they don't quite have the depth, I think, to service um, five Super Rugby teams um, into, into their sides. Um, Moana Pacifica, Fijian and Drua could probably do with it. Mind you, they have they've got a slightly different agenda to to um, promote players from their regions, and I I applaud that. But I'd like to see a, you know a sprinkling. Imagine a French player coming in, the Brits, the Welsh, the Irish, uh, both coaching and playing. Um, and I'm trying to think of players that. Uh, that I would like to see that might be available. You know, someone like, you know, Courtney Laws, I'd love to see him in a super rugby campaign, someone like that. Um, Danny Cipriani, I think, is a freakish talent who just, I don't even know if he's still playing now, but 34 years old. Um, he was sort of the equivalent of, of Australia's James O'Connor, much maligned kind of figure, but in a New Zealand rugby environment. I'd quite like to get someone that's had Ten or so seasons in the in the English Premiership. Um, we see it with rugby league in the NRL. Players galore. We've had just even in the Warriors, like um, Dennis Betts and Sam Tompkins. They haven't all worked. Andy Platt. Um, even if you count the Aussies, like Kevin Campion and some of the greatest Warriors ever were were Aussies in a New Zealand side. So. And the NRL Warriors side now will have Australians in their ranks as well. But I'd just like to see some in our Super Rugby teams. I think it would inject a little bit of interest. Would it up your interest at all, Sammy, if you heard that, um, you know, like the Pablo Montero one I thought was great. That's a great example. Yeah, yeah that's, that was a perfect example and did, did well for the Crusaders. I think, you know, Super Rugby is like one of the only, in particular the Kiwi teams, but, I mean, it's not like Australia are littered with international talent, but Super Rugby is one of those one of the very few sporting competitions in the world where there is an international talent. I mean, what other sport doesn't really have an international flavour to it? When you look at, you know, football, basketball, um, well, the cricket. NBA and well, NFL probably, but that's such an American sport. But yeah, cricket, there's imports, deluxe, and, and, and I'm talking about the, the pinnacle professional type tournaments. Yeah, so the first step and the first question I think is why don't both New Zealand Rugby and Australia, but I'm sure Rugby Australia would be happy to do it, but why don't New Zealand Rugby allow Australian players to come over and play for the New Zealand franchises and vice versa? So um, we could have a, um, uh, who's the centre? Why is his name evading me? Wallabies. Um, Corumbeti. Corumbeti. Uh, no, who's the, who's the centre? Why is his name completely evading me? Big centre. Big boy. Player of the year. Oh, um, I know, I know, uh, uh, um, I know. Yeah, his name's escaped me as well. 
Anyway, him. Him. <laughs> or uh, or a Corin Betty or a, um, a Nick White or a Hooper or whoever it is. Like, them playing for the Chiefs or them playing for the Blues or whatever. Um, and then likewise, you know, if you've got a Hooper playing in the seven jersey for the Blues and you've got a Dalton Papaletti playing for the Reds or something. Like, I think the only way Super Rugby evolves from here and it has to evolve because let's be honest the numbers are dwindling the competition's dwindling etc the only way I think it evolves is is that is allowing that to happen and look we may lose an element of parochialism but once again all the top competitions around the world with all the top franchises manage to attract all these international players while still keeping a, a you know an arsenal you know, a strong fan base, a Tottenham, or if you look at the Premier League, but NFL does it as well. You know, the players come from all over the country, but you're a Bills, Buffalo Bills supporter if you're from Buffalo. So mm, mm. I think that's where sort of Super Rugby has to head, you know, allow Australian players and, and other players from around the world to come into New Zealand teams and allow our New Zealand players to go play, you know, especially domestically, just play for Austra- play for the Australian teams. Mm. You know what I mean? You don't, have to, you don't have to quite open up the whole, oh, if you go to France, you can still be an All Black, but certainly... Why can't we just let them go across the ditch to Australia? Like, why do we need the New Zealand teams to be very good for the All Blacks' sake? When mm. if they play in Australia, they're going to be playing against the same same people, it's right? The same competition. Yeah. Um, and then maybe the coaches start doing that as well. Maybe we start getting New Zealand coaches coaching the Australian Super Rugby teams, and we just sort of get this big pot it's been going. The odd New Zealander go to. I mean, um, Tamati Allison uh, joined the Rebels in their formative years. I think he had three seasons there mm. and helped with the coaching and helped with the development. He absolutely loved it, but he wasn't eligible for the All Blacks because he was playing for the Melbourne no, Rebels. And, and the answer to it is really what was the answer we all know is that New Zealand rugby are very insular and they don't want they just they don't want they don't care about Australia being good or not. That doesn't mm. that doesn't really matter to them. When we all know that if Super Rugby is to survive and if <clears throat> the Bledisloe Cup etc is to survive, we need rugby Australia to be strong. So mm. You know, they just need to park the ego, mm. to be honest. Let's go over to Ozzy, talk to one of our great listeners. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Darren. G'day. Happy New Year, Staffy. Thank you, sir. Great topic, mate. Mm. I'm sure they'll get the uh, juices going. I, I couldn't agree more with you guys. It's uh, it's an evolution. What's it going to take us to lose, you know, as in Southern, Southern Hemisphere lose the next three or four Rugby World Cups until they go, oh, might need to do something now. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Let's get let's get ahead of it. Like you saw, you saw the influence from that Japanese player. I've forgotten his name. The number nine, Tanaka, for the yeah, Highlanders. Yeah, Tanaka. Like, like the guy had a cult following. Yes. You know, like there should be more. There should be more American players coming over. It, I, I say bring it on. And if you play, if any New Zealand player plays within the Super Rugby competition, they should be eligible for the All Blacks. Yeah, it's and it's not a huge changing of the rules. It's just a slight modification. Like they're saying, you have to play in New Zealand. Well, you can say you can play in a competition that New Zealand teams are involved in. So therefore, it would extend to Super. I'm just fearful over the next two or three seasons. Super Rugby has already waned with the departure of South Africa. If they just keep doing same, same, same. Um, it's just going to keep yeah. waning off and become like the sevens has become and just depart. Well, how good would it be if you could, you know, Brady Retallick goes over and plays in Japan and ends up playing Super Rugby for a Japanese team in Super Rugby? I mean, that would that'd be brilliant to me. I'd I'd, I'd love it. Mm. You know, it would it would make these it make my interest in that team even more. Whereas normally I wouldn't really care much about it. So yeah. I love how they brought Fiji and Moana Pacifica in. I think that's you know hallelujah. But they've got to get some Japanese teams in. They've got to create that interest. I mean, I'm, I'm in Melbourne. I'm a Rebel supporter. 
I'll tell you right now, Cipriani played for the Rebels. He was garbage. Was he? he um, <laughs> oh, he just he just refused to tackle anyone. <laughs> he was he was, uh, he was not good, um, and he and he's much better than that. I, I'll agree with you from that point of view. But you know, you see these people coming to the Rebels like Lomax. I, I met Lomax when he was playing one night, and he got up on the stage after a match, and, and he was tearing up. Wow. Because um, they 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 just lost and they should have won and. I thought, God, this guy really cares about his craft, and and I've I've got a real soft spot for him. You know, I was elated that he made his way into the All Blacks and established himself last year. But you'll see these New Zealand players come over, and us Kiwis expats will will follow with them. Yeah, you know, yeah, that's it's, it. Uh, that's so it. yeah, no, I totally agree. It's they've got to get in front of it rather than just playing this catch up. Yeah, catch I'm up with rugby. You. I'm with you, Darren. Thanks, buddy. Good to hear from you. Thanks, guys. Cheers, Cheers, mate. And if you just think back, um, the Sunwolves, the Japanese Sunwolves, um, they had a few Kiwis playing, like Jason Emery, good man of a two man. He was playing for. I always watched the Sunwolves and wanted to see how the Kiwis win in those lineups. Um, we're going to take a quick break for new sport and weather. Bottom of the hour news, not too long. So hang on there, Steve. I can see uh, you're online. I really want to hear your thoughts on it, mate. You're a great rugby mind. So, Steve, after the break, and also give us a yell 0800 150 811. Buster, you better start to move your feet to the rockin'est beat of madness. Yeah! Samu Karevi was the midfielder from the Wallabies we were trying to think of. Oh, he'd be fantastic in a New Zealand side. Um, but I'm not saying shift the top of the range stuff, get some internationals. I'd love it. Now, a great man, a great voice of rugby joining us at Auckland, Steve. Uh, Happy New Year to you, Steve. Oh, mekwe hoki, bro. Uh, I hope uh, you and the whanau uh, had a great Christmas and New Year, mate. Yeah, good little break. Um, oh, it's, 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 it's good, eh? And a little, maybe a little bit of, hopefully you caught a bit of sun at the end there. That was, this has been a bugbear of mine for for many years. I I mean, if I can even meet, meet, remember Scott Fugenstaller, I think his name is, an open-side flanker who played played down in Wellington, could didn't quite, quite crack the hurricanes, but... Uh, went across to the Rebels. Listen, I've, listen, I've already got a vested interest in the Brumbies because uh, Tamati Tua, who was in the Blue Squad last year, is playing for the Brumbies this year. Now, the reason he's going there, if he'd stayed at the Blues this year, he'd probably be sitting in the number ones in the stand because it'll either be two of us, a Sheck or Corey Evans, sharing the 12 duties at the Blues. I've also got an interest because Jack Debrasini, who played... Uh, for Northern, but went off to play in Japan for a couple of seasons as back with the Brumbies as well. So you've got that immediate engagement because you know those players yep. straight away. Um, I, I really don't know why the New Zealand Rugby Union doesn't open up. The other reason, you know, you get all these players that are sort of fringe guys who, you know, get opportunities to jump into wider training squads, and a lot of them will now go, you know what, I could go to the, um, what do they call it, MRL, and make, I don't know, anything between fifteen and 50000 American, which, you know, which equates quite well in New Zealand dollars, probably a better contract than in, in some cases in an NPC contract. So you might actually keep some of those guys and at least keep them in Australasia. Mm. And and, uh, and once again, people will actually have an interest on, the, on those players. I, I, I really do think New Zealand... Rugby New Zealand are missing a trick, mate. You should just go next door and knock on the door, mate. 
Or I'll just head down there now. I'll just head down there now and bring someone. <laughs> <up>. <laughs> Actually, Scotty Logan, uh, he's he's always got a very astute texter. He's just put other salaries for Super Rugby players paid by the club or New Zealand rugby. If New Zealand rugby, I can understand hesitation to bring overseas players in, and I think yeah, New Zealand rugby players are contracted to their Super franchise through New Zealand rugby, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I, I suppose that's the tricky component. It's something, but you know, they've never used that as an excuse. They always basically mention their fans, but I don't know if they've looked at the at the television viewing figures and the crowds in recent times. I tell you what, this is going to be, you know, given where the country is at the at, at the moment, Steph, this is going to be really interesting to see what sort of crowds turn up to watch Super Rugby this year. That's going to be the, for me, that's going to be the real interest. Yeah, I think the interest is always high at the start, but it's maintaining that hold. And, I, and I've often heard, like, I've got a few Kiwi mates that live in the UK, and they love Super Rugby because it's good viewing for time for them. It's breakfast time viewing for them. Chuck in a couple of English, Scottish, Welsh, Irish, Italian players into the Super Rugby, all of a sudden your international market is way more, way more interest from the Northern Hemisphere because they've got a few roosters running around in the Super Rugby comp, and that could lead to a better broadcasting deal. Absolutely. Well, all of a sudden, you've got a bit of bit of interest with the uh, former English first five. Just forgotten his name. The rest of that's running around with the Highlanders yep. this year. You know, you know, already there's a you know it sparks a little bit of interest. But you know, it's, it it kind of mirrors the naming of Super Rugby. It's it's always low key. There's very little speculation. You know, when you compare it to sort of American sport, you know, there's so much talk about who's who's going to be drafted. You can see it with the NRL. I really do think we missed a trick here, eh, mate? Mm, I do too, mate. We just need an injection of something, and I think this one would be quite painless. Oh, absolutely. But I'll tell you what, mate. I can smell the liniment, mate. It's in my nostrils <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> it's just around the corner. Just around the corner. Good on you, absolutely. Steve. Talk, brother. Cheers, Talk. buddy. Steve Harris, great, great rugby man here in Auckland. Um, we'll take a quick break. Uh, we've got another great rugby man, Tanny Farman, lives in Marlborough. You know who it is. It's Graham after the break. Helping you tune out your annoying workmate. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome back in. We're talking about refreshing up the Super Rugby with the potential of bringing some international players into New Zealand, letting New Zealanders go to Aussie teams. Aussie players come to New Zealand teams. We've got Graham... Calling us out of Marlborough, Hart and Tani Farland. G'day, Graham. G'day, mate. Hey, I've got two or three sort of issues that I want to discuss about it. Yep. I don't have a problem with um, them coming coming over, but firstly, they have to offer something mm-hmm. um, better than what we've got, and they and they shouldn't be shouldn't be taking the place of a New Zealand player. Um, that's one thing that worries me a bit. And with the Highlanders, I think like Mitch Hunt is still suffering from concussion issues. Marty Banks has probably played his best rugby, yep. but a good guy to have around because if you're a young player, he sh- you should stick to him like a mandate because what he's done in his career is, you know, he's he's been a very very good NPC and super player. So those sorts of guys we need we need to stick around mm-hmm. uh, to, to teach these young players. But going on from that, I think we lose we lose way too many rugby players between the ages of twenty five and probably thirty five in some ways. You know, like because they're either sitting behind an All Black and not getting 
not getting the opportunity or that is someone comes along with a big check and I, I and we say this every year, oh, we can't keep losing these players, we can't keep losing these players. But, you know, we're about to lose Richie Moonga. You know, 27 years old, he's now surpassed Bowden, probably is the best first five in the country. Um, and Bowden's not the best fullback in the country. So where does where does that leave him? Well, according to Ian Foster, he's still in the team because, you know, you've got to have, you've got to have three Bowdens, three Barretts in the team to, just to function, apparently. <laughs> You know, like we we can't keep we like I, I'm disappointed Richie's going. I can understand why he's going. I mean, the, he set himself and his family up for life. But we need to start looking at how we can, you know, do better at keeping these players because they're just we're just losing too many of that stature. You know, at the wrong times in their career and in the wrong at the wrong times for New Zealand rugby. So that's the side. That's that's the part that disappoints me. And I'm a bit like Steve. But I really like watching the Melbourne Rebels. There's a couple of good Northland boys there, and and that sort of thing. But we've got to, you know, we've got to be a bit careful now. We can't keep puffing our chest out saying, "Well, we've got the depth. We've got the depth." Well, I don't know if we have any more. Eh? To be honest, it's just um, when you look at the results. But yeah, that's sort of my gripe. Eh? If, if you're going to bring them in, make sure they're going to, you know be worth worthy of that position and not take the place of a New Zealander. That that mm. sort of been, been, would be my worry because I hate losing them if you, if you get my grip. You yeah, what I'm saying. Just that yeah. they will take a place of a New Zealander, but it's probably a New Zealander that's not up to Super Rugby. I think they would be signed on short-term contracts. I don't think Robbie, um, what's his name, Freddie Burns. I was going to say Robbie Burns. Uh, Freddie Burns. He's not going to be here for the long haul. Uh, maybe a couple of years, and he could mentor a 19-year-old up-and-coming first five. Um, on the Richie Moonga thing, it's economics. We can't afford to keep him. The, the offers are just too big. Um, what what he's going to get overseas probably equals about six Super Rugby contracts, you know? So, oh, j- I, yeah, I understand. Like, I know some figures. I know a couple of guys have just gone to Japan. Man, alive, mate. Mm. You know, I, you know I, 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 tried to, I tried to contact the agent and say, look, mate, I'll do it for a fifth. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you know, and I'm bloody I'm 58 next week, so um, yeah. So, um, but yeah, just I know why Richie's going, but surely we have to start. Oh, I don't know, mate, how, how we fix it, but that's too young, and he and he hasn't done enough yet in the black jersey. Like I'm disappointed he's not going to get a better someone who's going to let him play his game in the All Blacks. Mm. You know, Ian Foster's going to be his coach and that'll be it and we won't see the best of him. And and, and that disappoints me as a rugby fan mm. and, and as a Richie, or, or even if it was Harry Plummer or from the, from the Blues or, or whoever it is, but from, you know, Bryn Hall, I don't care, uh, Bryn Gallen. It doesn't where they're from. I want to see them, the best of them, you know, playing. That, that, that's sort of how... Mm. I don't know if I've made myself clear, but I'll just, I'll just get a little bit annoyed that we keep losing them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to carry on, and this, you know, it's and it's money, it's economy. We can't keep them all. But anyway, Graham, we'll carry on. Thanks for hey, your call, buddy. No, all good. Cheers, mate. Cheers, buddy. Down to Cromwell, Jeff. G'day, Jeff. G'day, Steffi. How you going, buddy? Good, thanks, Jeff. Yeah. Did you have a good break? Very good break. Yeah, it wasn't a bad summer, was it? It's still happening too. Down the south, anyway. I'm about to, or about you buggers up north. Just be a bit of rain. But, uh, hey, uh, I don't mind, you know, the, you know, 
one-eyed Otago and I support it. It's, um, we, we know that in our heyday for the Otago side, we had half a horse rate, always playing for us, and, you know, and I don't mind these internationals. As long as we beat the te- helps beat the Canterbury and the Auckland teams, <laughs> I'll get them behind them, mate. You know. <laughs> um, but uh, but from a from a referee's point of view, I like to see the, the northern referees come over and referee a super players because they're the ones that go to the All Blacks, and they are the ones that struggle. All Blacks struggle with the northern hemisphere law variation, or not variation, but the way they referee the interpretation. So more we get exposed to northern referees and super rugby, I tell what our penalty count will drop dramatically. Uh, I, that's what I like to see happen more often. It's not a bad shout, actually, um, and I, and I always appreciate you bringing up the referee side of things because I know, like New Zealand referees and Australian referees, go up and referee the Six Nations Test stuff, but um, I don't know that they do premiership games. Um, but I, I think we've seen the odd referee down here doing Super Rugby games, sort of as a warm up for because they're going to be on doing international Bledisloe Cups or something. I think we've seen it before. Yeah, I've done the, 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 odd, the odd one, but I need to be exposed a bit more because, we, you know, we've watched the, the All Blacks play over there, Northern Hemisphere tours, you know, we just we tend to get pinged off the park sometimes with their interpretation. So more, you know, our super rugby, especially the young guys, um, different with the, the old heads, I don't know what it's about, but some of those young guys that just, you know, just get pinged off the park because the, the interpretation is slightly different. Mm. It's definitely different than the you know the southern referees you know um, Sophie, so good points, Jeff, you know, as always. Yep, no, good, good. Uh, he's back on here too. Cheers, right. mate. Have a great day, Jeff, the ref out of Cromwell. We've got time for you to ring. We've got ten minutes. We've got nine minutes till the news. Uh, boards are open. Boards are free. There's no one on there. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Give us a yell, and we'll have a yarn before the news. I uh, got a text message in here saying, oh, this is bad chat. Australian teams are already poor. New Zealand players would flood their teams and make the Wallabies even weaker than what they already are. Do you honestly believe that a Wallaby player would come to New Zealand and push an All Black out of a starting spot? It's never going to happen. I never said that. Only way Super Rugby survives is if Australia reduces their teams to three. Australian rugby's attitude is the problem. With all Super Rugby, they cannot accept that they do not have the player base to have five teams. I'm not saying a Wallaby would come here and kick out a a New Zealand, uh, an all-black out of a Super Rugby team. It's the level below that. It's like these Freddie Burns type guys. Yeah, but what about, like, even the terminology of kicking them out? I don't really think that's what we're envisaging. I mean, if Super Rugby is to stay how it is now, 100% I agree, Australia need to reduce their team count because they clearly, if the players are spread too thin, or at least they've only got one competitive team. But I would argue that under a new model where players are free to move around, and I would hope we'd get to a point, this is the idea of opening it up, is that you would hope that you'd get to a point where people who play for the Crusaders wouldn't necessarily stay at the Crusaders. Like, they would go and play for the Waratahs, they would go play for the Brummies. I know that's that's pie-in-the-sky thinking because, you know, are you going to get a team that's won seven titles in a row, players all leaving? But, I don't know, maybe we bring in salary caps and all this sort of stuff to sort of create an NRL-type structure. Because you can't tell me that if our players were spread out over Australia and their players were spread out here, that wouldn't help the Wallabies be better. 
mm. that their players are playing in more competitive teams across the board rather than the good ones playing for one team, the Waratahs, and the rest of them all getting thrashed by 40 or 50 points every week because that's not how they get better. Mm. So I actually think that if – and once again, it's it's ideological thinking. I don't actually think it's going to happen because New Zealand rugby are too up themselves. But should, you know, should we live in a world where – it's like the NRL, and players are all over the place, and they're all able to play for the Wallabies and the All Blacks regardless, and there's some sort of salary cap to make sure that teams don't just hoard all the players in one place, and it's a hard salary cap, not the one we've got now that supposedly exists in, in Kiwi Super Rugby teams. Um, then, yeah, you'd get a competitive competition. You'd keep a track of the Australian teams because your players are playing over there or All Blacks are playing over there. I mean, what if you know Richie Mwanga, rather than going up to Japan once again, this isn't going to happen because he's going to get paid way more up there. But as someone of that calibre going off, going to play number 10 for the Brumbies, you'd be interested in watching the Brumbies to see how well, Richie look does. At, look at the news and the and the passion around Bowden Barrett going from Hurricanes to Blues. Yep. And the interest that that created. The interest. Well, well that, game, that first game at Eden Park, granted it was like one of the first games after COVID, was a sellout. Mm. Rod, Eden, Roger Tuivasa-Shek from Rugby League to the Blues, huge amount of interest. Mm. And that's what Super Rugby is lacking, is interest. Correct. It just doesn't have any – and this is where you know I, I really resonate with what Watto talks about, that there is nothing outside of – in rugby, there is nothing outside of um, what happens on the field. And, and a competition needs that. You need off-field talking point discussions, and it needs to be more than just who should play in this position. It should be player transfers, whispers, salary cap – um, development, all that sort of stuff, you know. Mm. Um, I remember back, I think it was when John Kerman was taking over the Blues, was going to take over the Blues, and he said, I'll come back if you give me a 10. The Crusaders at that stage had Carter, Stephen Brett, Tyler Blyndell, Colin Slate. They had about five yep. that could have started in any Super Rugby franchise, and none of them left. None of them left. Mm. Amazing. And I just think a little bit more mobility around our Super Rugby teams. Anyway, we're coming up 1 o'clock. We'll be back after that, talking Women's Phoenix. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Forget that uh, tonight, every night, every night, we've got uh, Australian Open coverage on your SENZ platforms of the Australian Open tennis. And uh, some more big news is SENZ is going to be bringing you ball by ball coverage of the Australian Indian Test Series. Uh, first test is the 9th to the 13th out of Nagpur, second test out of Delhi, uh, and the third test, uh, Dharamasala. 
in the fourth test amid a bat. So all four tests, ball-by-ball coverage here on SENZ. We know there's some massive uh, cricket fans out there, so you will have that live to you here on SENZ. Adam Collins will be leading that coverage. So great news for cricket fans. More live sport coming at you. So uh, exciting times. Had a number of uh, text messages about the rugby, which I will get to, about the changing of Super Rugby. Uh, but it's time to, uh, we're going to talk about some football now. And it was just wonderful for the uh, women's Phoenix who have toiled and toiled and toiled. Um, when it was a momentous day in the weekend for all Phoenix football, uh, both the men getting a win. And as I mentioned earlier, uh, Alex Rufa getting a, a long overdue goal. But the women's Phoenix is what we're going to talk about now. And we're joined by... Chloe Knott, midfielder for the women's Phoenix team. Uh, Chloe, welcome in. It's been a few days since that win. How's the team responded? Uh, it's just been really amazing to get that win. And, you know, everyone's buzzing. Everyone's in a good mood. I think it's just like the result we needed. We've been waiting for it for so long. And you'd sort of think your first win might be a, a 1-0 or a 2-1 or something <laughs> like that, or maybe maybe a couple of draws. And you've just gone bang and gone 5-0. Has this been brewing? Um, it feels, I mean, like no, I don't think anyone expects us to win 5-0 going into the game, but I think it definitely felt like once everything clicked, it would click and we would get the goals and things would start to go our way. Um, but yeah. Couldn't have predicted five Noah, but um, not going to complain. It was really cool to be able to score that many goals after such a period of no no goals going in. What what do you have you tried to identify what you did different in your build up in the week leading up to that game? Uh, honestly, we've, we've been doing pretty much the same thing or the same sort of things each week, but it felt like we were really like building each week and adding on to what we were learning. So every week we've been adding and adding new things that we've been doing as a team. And this week we did focus on shooting. We focused on final third play and switching through the midfield. So, yeah, it all kind of just came together this week. So has it changed the mood around the camp as you go you go forward for another game this week? A hundred percent. Like, just to have that feeling of winning and winning convincingly, like, yeah, that's what we want every week. So we know what it feels like now, and that's what we're going to be pushing for every week now. How different is your preparation according to the opposition that you're going to be taking on? Obviously, Brisbane this week, Canberra last week. Do you look at mm-hmm. the different styles, the different formations, and how you have to accommodate those changes? Yeah, like Nat tends to focus more on us more than anything and how we want to play and how we want to approach um, each opposition, um, like, and we kind of stick to our own principles, but obviously there are tweaks here and there depending on their threats and if they do things differently. So, yeah, Nat's always all over that, but we tend to more focus on how we want to play and how we're going to approach it, focus on ourselves. And you've um, relocated this year out to NZCIS, out at um, Trentham Silverstream area. Talk to yeah. me about that, about that change being being there. Uh, it just feels so much more professional, so much more like, you know, we go to work and we show up and it's just this amazing workplace that we're going to. We just moved into the new locker room. It's just been amazing. Like, yeah, I can't I can't explain how much better it's been this year to have um, like a home training, training area for us. 
Yeah, and it's it's an amazing facility. I was actually there last week, and, and I was walking through the gym, and uh, there were a couple of the Phoenix guys pumping weights. There was TJ Piranara from the Hurricanes on the Watt bike. Saw a few of the other Hurricanes boys going into the plunge pools. Um, it's a different dynamic, isn't it, with uh, both the men's and women's Phoenix team out there and the Hurricanes there, and you're all using the same facilities. Yeah, it's so cool like, to be able to, like, walk around the gym and, you know, see these professionals working hard and, you know, just, it's just extra motivation. Like that's what we, that's what we want to be doing. And, you know, it's just, it's just very different compared to last season. We were like in a public gym sometimes. So yeah, it just feels very professional and yeah, very, very cool to be around that every single day. Do you feed off each other? Like, is there any conversations go on like between rugby and football? And I'm talking about the Hurricanes with both the men's Phoenix and the women's Phoenix. Do you, do you share stories or philosophies? Um, not so much with the Hurricanes yet because they've, they've not been in much. But um, the men's team, I know like a lot of the players, we, we talk to them a lot about how things are going for them. Like, and what what worked for them because obviously they've not had the easiest run when they first started the the club so players like David Ball and things will just give us advice about you know sticking with the process and and it's really cool to to get the advice from those kinds of players yeah you've had a few stints with the captain's armband on does it weigh heavy or does it spur you on honestly like there's so much support around me like Lily's always there in the background Kate's there there's there's really good leaders on the team who are just like doing their own thing as well and leading the team. So it's more just like a little added role, a little cool thing that I get to do um, as well as, you know, playing for the team. So, yeah, I love it, to be honest. But um, we've got we've got some unbelievable leaders and Lily and Kate aren't far away ever, if I ever need advice or to help the team. So, yeah, it's been great. We've just had the US national women's team on New Zealand's shores. Uh, yes, the score lines weren't great for New Zealand, but I keep telling everyone, temper that with the legendary status that this US women's team have. And great crowds in the stands, Chloe. Yeah, oh my God. It was an amazing day, like here in Wellington. Just to see all the fans, like every touch that like we did well or like ball we won back, like the New Zealand team. The fans were just going crazy and cheering us on. So you can just imagine, like, when the World Cup time comes around, hopefully that's that's a much bigger number and, and the team can feel the support from everyone. It was really cool to watch. I've had quite a bit to do with the Blackfern Sevens over the years, and it's almost like their number one um, priority is to inspire uh, uh, the, the next generation, boys and girls. Does that flow into the Women's Phoenix team as well? hundred percent, you know, like we love to see the young girls and boys at our game every week um, at Sky and just having conversations with them and seeing how much they enjoy the day and, and, you know, like having them, we're signing their shirts, signing their hats and some of them telling us about the teams they play for. It's just so cool to be able to give back to them and, and see them like enjoy the football and have a good time at the games, even regardless of the scoreline. But it's just cool to be able to give them that win and, Hopefully they keep enjoy coming and, and they keep playing. And, yeah, really cool, really cool. Who were the players when you were the 10 and 11-year-old Chloe Knott that you wanted a selfie <laughs> with or wanted an autograph or, or a signature on your cap? Yeah, I think definitely like Annalie Longo, um, Rosie White, you know, uh, Katie Bowen. They were all players I looked up to at the time. And Katie Bowen was the reason I went to – the United States to play over there and you know that she's done amazing now so 
again, so cool to be able to play against her in the A-League. But yeah, so many good role models at the moment. And does it sit comfortably with you that you are the, the next lot of role models that seems to go in sort of 10 and 15 year gaps? Like, and, and these girls that are, you know, hanging over the front fence of, of Sky Stadium, getting autographs and stuff that might be 10 years old, in 10 years' time, you're probably towards the end of your career and they're just starting. I really like the mm-hmm. conveyor belt nature of, of the women's game. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. And I think just going through it yourself and like, knowing how important those role models were at the time, like for me in particular, just having New Zealand uh, football players that I could look up to and follow in their footsteps. I think that was so important for me. So if I can do that for the next generation, then I'm super grateful and I feel lucky to be able to do that for them too. And uh, talking to Chloe, not out of the now successful uh, women's Phoenix team, you've shifted uh, semi-permanently while, during the football season mm-hmm. from Auckland to Lower Hutt. What a massive improvement, mm-hmm. eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't complain, you know. Like I, I get to go to the beach a little bit too, you know, Petoni and things like that. But, yeah, I, I do miss the North Shore beaches a little bit. <laughs> I'll send you photos of a North Shore beach just to make you feel a little bit of <laughs> Hey, Chloe, uh, massive congratulations from all of us and people right around New Zealand as well. Uh, we're getting a few text messages and uh, just saying to pass on their congratulations. So brilliantly well done. Um, and let's keep it keeps rolling against uh, Brisbane this weekend, eh? Thank you so much. Thanks for the support. Thank you. Chloe, not there. Uh, Wellington Phoenix midfielder. Fantastic, and um, I was so stoked for them. You know, uh, I'm always stoked for a team, any team, whether I support them or not, that just grind and grind and grind and just lose games in a row, but they just keep turning up the training and keep putting it out onto the park and doing their very, very best. So stoked for them to be able to to pick up that nice, nice win for them. Um, more texts are coming about the, the rugby. I'll get to those. Uh, still free to call. If you want to have a chat about the, the Phoenix performances in the weekend um, you can call up about that as well or the super rugby discussion we've been having for the first hour got some good text messages about that worth reading and sharing with you they'll be after the break let's get to some of the text messages you've kindly shared with the nation Staffy, as far as as for Freddie Burns good on him for giving it a crack most super sides have a good depth at 10 even their wider training squads have great talent at 10. Cheers, Ken. Yeah, I, I quite like the injection of him. I do, and I'm looking forward to watching him. Um, if it was like the EPL and they were considered on loan, it would inject greater welcoming with no threat to fan tribalism. Who was that fabulous, joyful Japanese guy who played for the Highlanders? Number of uh, Tanaka. Uh, what was his fish name? Um, can't remember. Um, but he was wonderful. Just in the little skits they used to do. Him and Joey Wheeler, wonderful. And that's the stories off the field. Um, afternoon, Staffordinator. Pretty sure the Western Fourth Force have Richard Kahui and ex-Hurricanes Lock, whose name escapes me. That is Jeremy Thrush. Um, yes, they do. But, not that they would now, but um, not available for the All Blacks because they don't play in New Zealand. Um but I enjoy New Zealanders going over there. Staffy, I agree. It adds something different to a stale competition. The Chiefs have an Irish prop coming this year who has played 20-odd tests. I know some people in the squad, and they are welcoming him, 
welcoming him with open arms as they believe he can mentor a few of the young props. That's Mike from Hamilton. Yeah, I like that. Didn't know that. In fact, it rang a tiny little bell in the back of my head that they had an Irish prop coming. I think that's wonderful. Wonderful. And you need so many props. So many. Um, I'd love to see Roman Intermac at the Hurricanes running that back line. I don't think it would get someone of the calibre of him at all. Um, no, I don't think we get someone like that. Uh, hi, Staffy. I believe that the coach of a Super Rugby franchise is hired to win them a Super title, not just solely to develop New Zealand talent for higher honours. If the coach wants his best chance at winning a title, it may require hiring from offshore, especially at a team like the Highlanders, who don't really get the first-choice players from the New Zealand talent pool. It seems like a natural progression to me. Cheers, Grant from Christchurch. I think it's workable, eh, Grant? Uh, thank you very much for all of your texts. I do think it's workable. It, I think it will inject interest. I agree with the people saying I don't want it to affect opportunities for New Zealanders. But when you need... Actually, I'm going to look up some Super Rugby squads, actually, and find out how many, for example, props. Um, all the two-position guys, like props, like locks, uh, wings, you don't need that. It's these specialist areas, like props... I'd imagine each squad would have six, so that's 30 props. 30 props. So if each squad got one international prop, like an Argentinian, an Irishman, a Scotsman, um, that 30 would go down to 25 New Zealanders. 0800 150 811 is the number to give us a yell on. Um, I'm just wondering if that call is coming into us. It's not. Okay, uh, just want to ring up and they talk to Captain K. Good on you, Donald. Um, so, yeah, any thoughts about that? I'm happy to carry those on. Um, it looks like we're not going to get our correspondent out of the Australian Open today because they are under the pump, as you can imagine, as it gets towards the pointy end of the season. So um, I thought I would have a look at... I, I watched Breakpoint. I finished it last night. Uh, five parts? Six parts. Five parts, I think. I started on Saturday. I loved episode one. Why? Nick Kyrgios. <laughs> it was Nick Kyrgios at last year's Australian Open. And they basically, each episode, if you haven't seen the Breakpoint documentary on Netflix, they basically focus on two players each episode. Um, so we had that, and I'm terrible with remembering the names. Uh, last night was the young French guy, Felix uh, Summerly, blah, blah, blah. Canadian, mate. Is he Canadian? Yeah, but like probably French Canadian. French Canadian, Canadian yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and he played Rafa at the French last year, and he was being coached by Rafa's uncle, Uncle Tony, who coached Rafa for years and years and years and years. And then they were drawn to play each other in the French Open. And they interviewed um, Tony Nadal and just go, this creates a bit of an issue for you, does it? Like you're, the guy you coach is now playing your nephew. And he basically, I want Rafa to win. <laughs> he oh, said that. He said it. He said it. And, it. and it just blew up. And people go, how can you say that? I can't see that relationship lasting. And so he went to Alex and he goes, you know, I've got, you know, he's more than just my nephew. So they came to this compromise that he wasn't going to sit in either player's box. He just sat in the general public. <laughs> and um, there was some stat like, um, oh, they, they counted the number of games Rafa had had at the French Open and only twice had he been taken to five sets and this young fella Felix 
took them to five sets. So at two sets all, Uncle Tony left the stadium. He couldn't watch. <laughs> That's incredible, man. That- yeah, but just the behind the scenes and, and the and the women players that they've covered as well, like Ons Jubeer, fantastic because you only ever see them play tennis. And then they're back in their rooms with their husbands and their boyfriends and their trainers and their family and the, the women are real characters. Like, uh, yeah, I've definitely – it's that and the golf one coming up are definitely on my list. I'll watch the tennis one because there's a, another six episodes coming out halfway through the year. Mm. Right, so you've got to get on it now. And so so the last episode last night, they said still to come. Yeah. And they're going to follow Nick Kyrgios at last year's Wimbledon. That's already been done. Yeah. And he went on a tear at Wimbledon, remember? Yeah, so that's right. That's the final, going to be amazing. Yeah, I think – Whoever is playing in the semi, he, he got defaulted. No, got defaulted in the semi-final. That's he right. Went straight in the That's final. right. Yeah, so they're doing golf and they're also doing Six Nations as well. Yeah, there's so many. Just yeah. every do a Super Rugby one. Let's be honest. Get Super Rugby in there. <laughs> get Super Rugby. So the te- have you, have you enjoyed the tennis? I'll get to you in the tennis soon, Sam. Actually, because I, I I know you've got a few opinions. Let's have a chat to. Let's have a chat to Greg. G'day, Greg. G'day, Steffi. How are you? Good, thanks, Greg. Compliments of the season. That's a, just uh, I, I went along and watched that uh, the soccer on Saturday at Eden Park against the um, American women. And one thing that disappointed me was the fact that we hardly got a shot on goal, if we got any shots on goal at all. Mm. Um, and so, while I appreciate that we didn't have our top squad available against the Americans. Um, one name I think we need to keep in mind is a young girl by the name of Millie Clegg. Right. Now, Millie scored the opening goal for the Phoenix uh, in their 5-0 win. She's only 17 years of age. She's very special in that she has been awarded an amateur contract with the Phoenix. So she's still at school. She's at Mount Albert Grammar School. Wow. Um, and she has she has scored goals for New Zealand at under-17 and at under-20 World Cups. Um, so she's a name that, uh, if you're looking for a bolter and someone who knows where the net is, then she may well be someone that uh, they might look at because we certainly need to score goals, and that's one problem that's always been New Zealand's um, hiccup in any football arena. So... Um, She'd be an interesting one to hold on to. Just as a little bit of background, her mum is uh, Kylie Foy, who was a black stick for many, many years. Um, her uncle is a guy, Mark Foy, who played four games for the All Whites. So she's got a bit of pedigree uh, floating through the blood. And her father wasn't a bad cricketer, rugby player, or and is still a very competitive golfer out at the... Um, Auckland Grange Golf Club. So there wow. we go. Wow. Yeah, I actually saw her. I watched that game and I saw her goal and it was very composed and I never realised she was so young. That's what a promising future. Yeah, and very clever of probably her and her family and the club just to award her an amateur contract so she can carry on, you know, being a young girl and going to school, I suppose, and with the option of uh, if things work out well for her, maybe picking up a a scholarship to an American university or, you know, one of the European clubs may pick her up in due course. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's uh, exciting times for her. And as I say, she has scored goals for New Zealand at both under-17 and under-20 World Cups. 
Fantastic. Thank you for bringing that to our notice. Someone to watch. Thank you very much. All good. Cheers, mate. There's Greg with a bit of uh, insight. Yeah, I watched I watched that composed goal she scored. Um, Millie Clegg. Keep our eye on Millie Clegg. We're going to take a break for bottom of the hour, new sport and weather. We're going to be catching up with Brenda Popperwell out of the TAB. It's not Wellington anniversary day today, although he's not in Wellington, is he? Maybe we should have called him yesterday because he wasn't affected by Wellington anniversary as Paul Moati was. But we're talking to uh, Pops, find out what's making news around the world. And our draft day today is our top five rip-offs. Small things that cost a lot, that shouldn't cost so much. What are they? We've had a few texts through that we can um, steal off the listeners, actually, to put onto our lists. Um, what are the biggest five rip-offs? But people just buy it, and I just don't get it sometimes. I've got a few. Sammy's got a few. Captain K will have a few. Probably a gen- – we've got three gen- – well, not three generations, but we've got a decent age gap between us, so I'll be interested to see what our top five rip-offs are. We'll go to news. Gentlemen, I've, I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. What's making news around the world? Oh, the trumpet fanfare. What is making news, Sammy, here around the world? Yeah, uh, plenty. Mark and... Uh, <laughs> Look, me and Kez were just in the air break there. I was showing Kez the video that I posted and, and I sent it to you earlier this morning of uh, Peter Crouch. Uh, Michael McIntyre. Now, I'm a big Michael McIntyre fan. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but I find him very, very funny. Went so to him live here in Auckland. And he does this thing as part of one of his shows called uh, The Midnight Game Show. He goes around to someone's house basically in the middle of the night, 3 a.m. Breaks and in. Breaks in and then just turns on the music and the noise and the lights all go on. He wakes up the person and basically says it's the Midnight Game Show and starts asking them questions and it's just fantastic. He's just done it with Peter Crouch mm. and Crouchy is you know, one of the funniest athletes in my mind in the world. He's just an absolute laugh and it's fantastic. So if you want to jump on YouTube, type in Peter Crouch, Michael McIntyre and watch the whole thing because it just gets better and better. Oh, I, can't, I just can't wait to show Kieran the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> and we'll stick with football for the first one, Steph. And uh, you might have seen headlines that were uh, making their way around the world yesterday. Uh, the first ever white card issued in football. No, I didn't know about yeah, this. Yeah, so you got a red card, you got a yellow card, obviously, for discipline. Um, I don't know if this is a FIFA thing or if it's particularly um, the Portugal league that's doing this, but Sporting Lisbon and Benfica were playing. And um, a, a white card was issued, which is to promote or to applaud fair play as opposed to foul play. Oh. So a yellow, red card, obviously, discipline. White card is to say you did something good. Now, the referee sort of did it, not tongue-in-cheek, but the, someone collapsed in the stands, and the team's doctors ran over, and the team stopped the game to make sure the fan was okay. He gave a white card to both teams, saying, well done on the on the fair play. But I guess it would be, you know, if you if you help someone up or whatever, if you tell the referee, no, I didn't I didn't handball, the, or, I'm sorry, I didn't touch that, you know, before it went out or whatever, um, then you might get the white card. Now, the question you might ask is, what's the point? And at this stage, there isn't really a point, Steph, other than, you know, a bit of virtu- a bit of virtue signalling, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. However, I could see it being implemented better in the future, like maybe you know a white card negates a, a yellow card or or something like that, because I think it's a good initiative. We're constantly penalising players. You know, can we reward them for doing something good? Outside of you know scoring goals and scoring tries, it's like can we reward them for you know for not diving or with fig- what though? 
and I think particularly in football, we have guys fake injuries all the time. Well, that's what I'm saying. I can see the the sort of intent there. I think that just maybe they need to take it a bit further. But a white card. So if you get a white card, you get a Costco membership or something. Wouldn't mind that. <laughs> Would not mind that at all. Maybe some free fuel <laughs> fuel vouchers. Go, give me some gull vouchers, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll happily take the white card. Um, now this one is is very fascinating, and I do like the headline: Pit, uh, pet fish. Spend cash and expose Nintendo Switch owner's credit card during live stream. Um, and I like the fact that it's a live stream and it involves fish. Uh, puns intended. So it's a Japanese YouTuber who wanted to see if his pet fish, and when I say fish it's plural, could complete a video game. So what he did is he hooked up all these sensors and monitors and whatever to basically tie the fish's movements to buttons on his control so when it swims left that sort of equals a an x on the on the d-pad or whatever yep. um and so he set it all up he's actually done this before and got them to complete a game that took over three thousand hours took them over three thousand hours to complete it he wanted them to complete a pokemon game so he, he hooked it all up got already set up the live streams everyone could watch and see how it was all working he got up and left the stream and thought oh you know i'll go get a glass of milk or whatever while he did that um, the game actually crashed, but the fish kept swimming and the button input kept happening. So the game crashed, it went back to sort of the home screen, and from there, the fish navigated themselves to the the store on the Nintendo and ended up spending, get this, three and a half pounds on the digital store of this man's money, as well as exposing the credit card details to every person on the live stream. No. <laughs> so that popped up on the, on the screen um, and triggered a couple of downloads. Now, good on uh, PayPal and Nintendo both said that they saw the funny side, they'd refund it. But I don't think that has ever happened and will ever happen again, Staff, that some pet fish have spent cash. We've heard about kids stealing mum and dad's iPad. Have you ever heard of a fish? This is groundbreaking. A fish spending money on the Google store or the Apple store. You have now. Mm. Word of warning to your people: Keep your fish. I used to breed where fish. they belong. Did you? Mm. Wow. Did you te- teach them to do anything special? Oh, they seem to intimately know what they had to do as soon as the breeding uh, net <laughs> got dropped into the tank. <laughs> sure. Yeah, they got the rabbit memo. Um, now this is one of my favourite stories of the day. Mm. One of my favourite stories of the day, arguably for 2023, Steph. We're three weeks in. Pink Floyd. Yes, like them. 50th anniversary of Dark Side of the Moon. Yes, the other day. The other day. So what did they do? They brought out an anniversary um, cover of the Dark Side of the Moon. Now, Dark Side of the Moon, of course, has the prism with the light going through, coming out rainbow the other side. So they released a um, new album cover with a big 50, and it had the rainbow colours in the the middle of the zero and sort of the logo. (laughs) Now, they posted that, and the backlash from a lot of people who thought, damn it, Pink Floyd's gone woke with the rainbow colours and the album cover. They've gone bloody woke. And the responses to the album cover, uh, it baffles me that people are that, especially if they're Pink Floyd fans, they've got to know that it's merely the dark side of the moon reimagined. Reimagined. I just think that's so fantastic. It's just some (laughs) angry people out there on social media who just see it and go, bloody woke. Pink Floyd's gone woke. (laughs) The funny thing is he probably is woke. Pink Floyd, right? He's probably a little bit woke. He was always anti-establishment. So he probably is anti- He probably is woke, but I just find it so funny that people completely mistook him. Have you heard of the whole shebang chips? No. The whole shebang. You probably haven't because they're from America. And this is actually not a news story, but it's something I came across. The whole shebang uh, 
is a brand of seasoned snacks made by the Keefe Group, a company that specialises in serving the prison population. Oh. The whole shebang chip staff are chips that are sold to inmates in prison and apparently are some of the greatest chips you'll ever eat. So much so that when inmates get out of prison, they crave the chips so much that there is now a grey, or there was a grey market on eBay for the whole shebang chips. These are crisps. Crisps, correct. And so people are going nuts for them because they're apparently the best thing since sliced bread. Well, uh, this is why it's not a news story, but apparently you can buy these in public now. The demand was so high for the whole shebang chips that they actually did release them to the public. So, wow. But I've never heard of these before. It just came up on a like a Facebook thing. And there are these prison chips that are supposedly the best chips in the world. Oh, so there you go. Wow. So next time you go to America, have a look out for the it's whole shebang. It's very similar to Snacker Changies. Have I talked to you about the Snacker Changies? You haven't talked to you about Snacker Changies. Are they prison food as well? No, no, no. They're the, <laughs> Lee, they're the Lee Hart chips that went with the Wacker yeah, Changi yeah, yeah. beer. Yeah. And then the chips people, long, long story, but... Mm. Basically, they said, so do you want crinkle cut? Do you want kettle fries? Do you want this? And he says, everything. So they're crinkle cut, thick cut kettle fries. There's all these different varieties. They're all in one chip. And Lee Hart said, I want lots of flavour. So I encourage, they are the most expensive chips at the supermarket. Okay. But worth it. I'm going to tell you a fact after the break. Okay. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. So the Snacker Changies, they are made up of all of the different... All the different chips in one. Crinkle cut, kettle, just and the flavour, mate, sour cream and chives, can't beat Yeah, I do like Snacker Changies chips. Um, you want a fact? Yes. So the moon is one four hundredth the size of the sun, right? Right. So the sun's 400 times bigger. But also, one four hundredth the distance from Earth as the sun, Mm. resulting in the moon and the sun being the exact same size in the sky every time you look at them. A coincidence that is not shared by any other known planet-moon combination. Wow. I've got a sun fact for you. S-O-N or S-U-N? S-U-N. The sun is white, not yellow. Yep. Couple of texts to get through on this international place coming into Super Rugby. Hey, Steph Oliega is Irish. Crusaders also had Pablo, and haven't they picked up Willie Hines? He's an ex-English international. PJ, yeah, he's ex-Crusader too, but yep, yeah, point taken. Staffy, the Blues have six props and four in backup or wider training squad. I expect every team has the same, and I've heard that Oliega is out of Super Rugby from the Crusaders. Is that injury? Must be injury, Ken. Um, Owen Farrell would be cool to see at the Blues, second five or first five. I think he's widely not appreciated. <laughs> Very good player, but I don't know how well he'd assimilate into New Zealand. He gets suspended a lot. But what a conversation point of a New Zealand franchise saying Owen Farrell. Me, oh my, yes, boy, that does enjoy me. Um, it's Tuesday, and on Tuesdays we do... We do 
It's not a bracket. It's a draft. We've got so many of these things, but they are so much fun. And today, it's rip-offs. Yeah, straight into it for 2023. So uh, basically we're doing items that cost way too much that shouldn't really cost that much. Yeah. That's why they cost too much. Yeah. Because it's too much. It's a rip-off. It's a rip-off. So what's the order? How are we starting? Because we I don't remember who went first last year. Um, it is now Kieran first, me second, you third. Okay. So Kez up number one. Keza, uh first pick in the first draft of 2023 rip-off items over to Captain Gap. Look, now I'm just going to go personal in this draft. Look, I love my team and I, I really respect the players that I draft, obviously. One that's personal to me, I went to the movies, boys, the other week. Uh, got a, a big thing of popcorn and two drinks. Mm-hmm. 30 bucks. Absolute ripoff. I'm go- I was going to say movie theatre popcorn, but I'm going to say movie theatre food in general. Oh, that's bold claim. He's snapping up a lot of lot of talent with that one <laughs> pick. Staffy, he's really targeting Africa. You know, he's taking the whole continent with him. Um, <laughs> but I think that's a good one. Movie condiments are, uh, condiments are well overpriced. Yes. How many of us have snuck a little something in from the new world just down the mall? Okay, hands in the air, hands <laughs> yeah. in the air. Strong first pick, Mark Stafford. Um, well, I floated mine in my handover from Smithy a couple of hours ago. I think there's an absolute Monty first pick for most teams. Bottled water. Yeah, yep, strong pick. Absolute rip-off. The scouts all, but we all, all had them. buy it. Yeah, the scouts all had them up there. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, does it? Well, it's like the most abundant thing on earth. And it's also like... I wanted to say 100%. I'll go safe. 95% of tap water yeah. in New Zealand's fine to drink. Correct. Drink straight out of your tap. Yeah, or a few I, I do have a filter jug, and my tap water goes through the filter jug to get a little bit of the chemical in there. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, no, I was the same with the rainwater but there. You put a filter on it. But there's almost a whole fridge in every service station dedicated to just water. Yeah, and you buy it too. And you, I do buy it. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. Now, and it's dearer than petrol. Yeah, it's terrible. Um... Now I'm I'm very happy with this pick, Staff. Um, I he, he's someone that a lot of the scouts had further down, but I'm going to elevate him to first pick overall because it's something I've never understood in this country, and it's particularly a New Zealand thing. Mobile data, <laughs> the yeah. price of mobile data. It's like it's seven bucks for a gig, and a gig lasts all of about ten minutes yeah. of you scrolling your social media or watching some sort of sport. <laughs> and here I am paying sixty bucks a month for like three gigs and it's like when i went to america everyone got unlimited and you paid for speed right so you you paid for you know really high speed whatever or you paid for sort of your low speed but it was all unlimited which is basically what we do here with um regular internet but mobile data still hasn't caught up and the thing is mobile <laughs> data they don't have to source it from anywhere they don't exactly. have to mine it or I manufacture know. it What's or the make cost? it it's, it's <laughs> unbelievable and, oh, I, I like and I'm, building my, I'm building my team around mobile data <laughs> captain gate picked it Look, I'm going with someone that a lot of people didn't uh, necessarily want to take on just because of their darker personality. But I believe with a team like mine, we'll be able to handle it. Controversial one, boys. Give me funerals. <laughs> that is fantastic. Funerals. Absolute rip-off. That is fantastic. You go to Costco, you can buy a casket, but it's still in the sales. You know, you just, it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, it funerals. Me. Yeah, it funerals me. are Give me funerals. Overpriced. Yeah, I like that for pick two. Right, um, okay, my next one is, and it irks me, Every time I have to buy them, and yes. it's top of mind because I bought them in the weekend, 
Razor blade refills. Yeah, yep. So expensive. Saw that one come through on the text as well, and I think uh, not that I've never I've I've used the clippers now. All right. So I don't use the razors, but when I did, yeah, that thing will set you back, and they don't last very long. They last a month, actually. Well, it's not that long. No, it's pretty good. Yeah, well, if you look at it per shave, it's probably not too bad. I thought I'd come across a coup, Alibaba. Oof. <laughs> I wouldn't trust buying razor blades <laughs> of Alibaba, but okay. Well, I did. I did. Okay. And I got 20 for $20, and I thought, that is unbelievable, because you get about 4 for $24 yeah. in our swimwear. So I got 20 First shave, I think these little gremlins in these razor things that just line up and pull your hair out. mm, mm. So painful. Yeah, I. <laughs> so yeah. don't get the Alibaba. Sure, uh, that's wise <laughs> but advice. I think it's hugely priced. Uh, this one is going to be is going to hit a nerve with you, Mark Stafford, and it's something we've talked about a lot here. Uh, something you've experienced, mate. So far above the realms of you're going to take one of mine here. No, so far above the realms of what should be accepted in society. The fee for having your car towed. Oh. God. <laughs> That is a rip-off. What was it for you? Three. It was 300 odd 380. bucks. 380 to tow your car two case. Not to mention, we was we saw the, the company that we were going to pick your car up towing a car about 200 metres down the road from the actual place. And they're going to charge <laughs> that guy 380 bucks. Yet, I can park out on the street here illegally for the whole day and pay a $30 fine. Yeah. Happily. It's just... An absolute rort, and they are making bank that place. 320 bucks, whatever. So, yeah, car towing, number two for me. Fantastic. Captain Gate. Boys, I thought I'd take one for the community here. Obviously, you know, when building a team, it's all about the community as well. And uh, obviously, I'm a younger generation, and a lot of my mates go to uni and college. One thing that they never shut up about, textbooks. Absolute ripoff. Even the used ones. Even the used textbooks, mate. Absolutely ridiculous. That's a generational pick there, Staff. That's obviously something that me and you can't relate to, but Captain K's gone for youth. He's gone for youth, and uh, I would say excitability. So number three there, so textbooks from universities. Okay, someone... Actually, no, I won't say that because someone might pick this up later on. Go over to you, Staff. Pick Uh, number three. Pick number three I've got here. Everyone would have experienced this. Mm -hmm. Dentists. Yep. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> 25 minutes in the seat, one filling, $400. Yeah, I agree. I, is that fair to say sort of any medical type thing? I mean... Almost. I mean, if Kez is going to sort of bracket together cinema food, do you sort of just bracket together medical appointments or something? Because nah, you can also different. go you can go to the GP for 10 minutes and you just say, I need some antibiotics. And they say, you have to come in for appointment. Go an appointment. I've got an ear infection. I'll give you antibiotics prescription. $65 GP. Off to the yeah. Off to get your prescription as well. Okay, we'll keep it specific. Then we'll say dentist. I'm dentist. Yeah. Okay. So we'll go dentist. Uh, that's strong. Okay. My one number three. Going specific here, and uh, first time that I'm going to dabble in the supermarket. Um, tasty cheese. <laughs> and the reason why I pick tasty cheese is because I mean cheese in general is pretty expensive, but yeah, your edams, your cheddars. Sort of around that $10 mark, maybe a little bit less. Then you hit Tasty, the little red label, 21 bucks for a kg of Tasty Cheese. I'm like, what are they? Like, I know they age it for a bit longer, staff, but you can't tell me it's made of panda or something. Like, 21 bucks for a, for a thing of Tasty Cheese. And that, it's always been that price. So I'm going to Tasty Cheese number three. Captain Gay. Right, boys, another quick one for the community. Obviously, a younger generation, I love my technology. When you buy a new iPhone, you also buy a warranty, right? You're paying for peace of mind with a warranty. It's about three quarters the price of a phone. It's almost, it's it's <laughs> double the amount of the repair mm. to get the problem fixed. So give me 
I've forgot what the word warranty. is now. Give me warranties. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say Technology warranties. Well, you, well that's a whole different conversation. Move Mark on. Stafford. Um, pick number four. Pick number four, post-mix soft drinks. Post? The, the soft drinks that come out of the triggers. You know, not out of a bottle or a can. You know, you go in a bar and they pour it out of yeah. those handheld things and... And in the machines, it's post-mix, so it's like the syrup oh. is added to the fizzy water. Oh, okay. And no, it goes. Yeah. Okay. Are those very expensive, are they? So you go through a drive-through, yep. and it'll be $2 for a medium, $3.50 for a large. Yep. The difference in cost to the supplier of that is $0.04. Cents. Yeah. And you're thinking, oh, it's only another fifty dollars, uh, fifty cents for the big, big one. It's only cost them $0.04. Cents. Yeah, that's a massive rip-off. Massive rip-off. I accept that. Um, I'm gonna. I was gonna say glasses frames, but I'm gonna scratch that. That's a late scratching for me. Glasses frames are wickedly expensive stuff. I'm gonna throw in, and this is for the parents out there. You'll know what I'm talking about. A box of wet wipes. You go through your pack and save your countdown, and you're pulling items into the trolley. Five dollars there. Four dollars for bananas. Twenty-one bucks for tasty cheese. Five dollars for milk. Thirty-six dollars for a box of wet wipes, and all they are are tissues coated in antibacterial liquid. Stuff. Make 36 bucks <laughs> Steph it's at times like that that I realise why people don't have kids mm. 36 bucks so wet wipes is my number 4 box should I say box of wet wipes or just wet wipes in general wet wipes ok alright boys finishing strong for my side I've loved the team that I've drafted so far went out west uh, where I lived last weekend a coffee $7 Seven dollars for a coffee. So put coffee on I'm there. doing dangerous. coffee in Auckland is what I'm saying. Coffee okay. in Auckland because it's just it. ridiculous. Steffi, finish strong. Yeah, you can have it. Stadium food. Oh yeah, that's damn. That's a good one. That's a Stadium great one. Burger that costs you ten bucks. I'd and say it's worth four. Even though the it's beer, got, yeah, everything's expensive. Even though it's stadiums. gone late in the draft, I would argue that that's a stronger pick than movies. Just quietly, <laughs> yeah. it's almost a stronger pick than movies. Okay, well, I'll round us off. No one's taking it. Um, and once again, I'm appealing to the masses here. If you've got a dog, people or a cat, but I'm going to target the dog owners here. If you've got a dog, you'll know that dog food is wildly overpriced at about 120 bucks for a kg and we all know the kg lasts about a month i just can't understand why we can eat a meal for five or six bucks yet a dog needs to eat some sort of michelin star gourmet 120 dollars <laughs> kg thing of food so i'm gonna put dog food as my number five staff there are the top five we'll post them on social ones that didn't get mentioned i actually had was viaduct beer taxis and coke anywhere except supermarkets i like that i also had rubbish bags yeah rubbish bags yep. expensive particularly too. the council paid ones and kenny said he finds velcro a massive ripoff fair Boom. enough uh take a break sevens after this it was a phenomenal effort by the Black Ferns Sevens in the weekend. Uh, three clean sheets of cr- across their one, two, three, four, seven games. One, two, three, four clean sheets across their seven games, scoring 186 points and conceding 19. And the head coach of the Black Ferns Sevens joins us now, uh, Corey Sweeney. Uh, how satisfying? Oh, hugely satisfying to be at home and, and to win. Um, there's no doubt we've been. We've been talking about the last Hamilton Sevens for you know a few months now, and um, to, to get our group together over Christmas or after our Christmas break, coming off the back of Cape Town, um, having a pretty short preparation window, but then just to put everything into into playing in Hamilton in front of our friends and family, um, and to get the result we did, um, yeah, unbelievable feeling. Not only you, but the players as well always talk about playing for their friends and family, their whānau, their wider family. Is that has that just 
come about naturally, or is that a real focus? Yeah, we, we we speak a lot about um, you know the opportunity for us and, and and the sacrifice that you know we as as players need to make to uh, players and management to you know to do what we do, but the sacrifice of our families, um, the sacrifice that they that they have to allow us to to go away from home to to miss special events to you know to do things um, or not do things with them is. It's something that we miss out on, but they miss out on as well, and, and their support is massively important to us. Um, and we know we're better people and better players when we have that. So, I guess um, being able to play at home, you know, with a real celebration of that, and to honour, you know, honour the people that provide that support to us, and it's something that we've talked a lot about for the last seven years, and it's been part of every day um, for this team. And and you really um, you really play with joy. You know, and 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 I see the team all playing with joy, and you watch them in the anthems and these genuine smiles. Is that part of your weaponry? Is to, you know, we hear express yourselves and play for each other, but the smiles just brings you in as a spectator. Yeah, it's a fantastic feeling. I, I think you know we've we've got a group of unbelievable young ladies, and um, we've had a we've had a special group, and and it has been a real emphasis around being being yourself and being the best version that you can be for you and, and this team and we want to love what we do you know, we, the girls train extremely hard um, you know, it's not always not always easy and the stuff that happens behind the scenes is hard work but if we don't love it um, it makes it even harder so you know the connection that, that these ladies have with each other is special um, and the joy on their faces is, genu- is genuine when they get out to play in front of um of people that are there to support them. And so, you know, it is it is a special moment for them to play. It's a reward for all the hard work that they've done and the connection that they feel and the happiness that they are is, is genuine and um, it's, it's special. Something I've always admired about the Black Fern Sevens is the ability to unearth new talent, nurture them, bring them in, take them out, return them in. Um, in recent times, I think um, Jazz Hotham, Jazz Felix Hotham now, um, Rissy Pori Lane as well. But boy, oh boy, I have to talk to you about Georgia Miller. She was phenomenal. I actually tweeted out last, uh, oh, actually Sunday night, and I said, remember that Wellington Sevens when Victor Vito announced himself on the World Sevens stage? Georgia De- Miller did that at Hamilton. She looks a special talent. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very fortunate to have young Georgia with us. Um and, and to be fair, we, we saw a very similar clip of Georgia uh, when she was a 15-year-old kid at school um, as what you saw last night. And, you know, we saw that talent a, a number of years ago and we knew that as she was progressing through school, she was developing um, not only a, a very good rugby skill set, but and she's got a, an unreal personality. She's, she's full of energy. She's a Highland dancer. She connects people. She brings this, un, you know, this new youthful energy into our environment which um, you know some of our more experienced players are really connected to and it's um, it's been really satisfying to to see a, a new wave of um, youthfulness and energy come into the group and you know, Lucy and Jazz the other two you mentioned they've been in the program for a couple of years um, but they're just getting the opportunity to shine on the stage right now and you just can't stop them at the moment and it's, it's a real pleasure to watch and been able to blend that group back over the weekend with the experience of the likes of 
um, Sarah and Portia and Stacey with with the younger group, it, it just meant you know you, you feel like a, a coach with with plenty of firepower, and, and it was a, a great feeling, and it all sort of come together. Yeah, I look at someone like Michaela Blyde, who's still a young woman at twenty seven ish, I think. And she's been in the seven system. I think she's in her tenth or eleventh season, which is just ridiculous. Um, but just the camaraderie, and it's not even mateship; it's it's the mentorship. Someone like Michaela Blyde will be very um, important um, in the transition of Georgia Miller from teenager to young woman. Do, do, do they spend time together? Is, is there awareness around the importance of both of those relationships? Yeah, we speak we speak really um, a lot around leadership in our group and and the need to empower and uplift others. Um, and there's a mix, you know, there's a mix of players in their thirties and in their their late twenties, and then the ones that are eighteen. And I think the balance of all of those working together in different ways is really important. And you know, it's only it's only going to make our group stronger. So we, you know, I think in in Cape Town, Georgia was roommates with Kelly Brazier and you know, they almost look young, like younger and older sister and um, you know so there's I think there's a bit of a balance there both ways there's definitely mentorship from from the likes of Kelly on the younger players but it works the other way as well and you know I think those relationships are really special and we try to nurture those as much as possible without it becoming um, a burden or annoying at any point along the journey You know the interesting thing Corey and it's not only with you when I talk Black Fern Sevens I never really talk about rugby. I talk about environment. I talk about standards. But we don't actually talk much about rugby. There's some phenomenal rugby players in there, and I don't want to pick on Georgia Miller, but her effectiveness at breakdown, her willingness to go into the the darkest place you can go in in, in a sevens game. You're not going to get um, 10 people, rucks and malls and things like that. But her willingness to put her body on the line at the age of 18, her her head-up play to, to, to know the angle to run, to know when to offload, to know when to take contact. It must be a joy to work with. Yeah, I think we talk a lot about instinct and, you know, some of those things are really hardest things to coach. But, you know, George has come into this group with instinct and so have a number of the other players. And you know, there's no question that we've got, um, you know, professional ladies that are, that are great at rugby and always looking to be better, of course. Um, and it, and that's their craft that they hone daily. Um, but I think once we once we make sure that we get the emotional connection right, then that allows the technical side of the rugby come to come through. And we always talk about getting the heart right, which then allows the technical piece to work. And you know, we we know that we've we've got we've got a good strong coaching team, which which grow our players from a rugby perspective, and we've got great off field support. So you know the the recipe or the ingredients are all there. Um, it's just making sure that we, we get the the connection of all of that right um, and we, we then get to see the performance that we saw over the weekend which was you know which was probably one of the, some of the best sevens that we've played for a long time how do you go about picking the I think it's 12 you take to a tournament and you've probably got 20 or something like that in your program you must have to have eight tough conversations before you name your squad Certainly, the toughest part of the job. There's no question about that. And the one thing that I keep thinking about is to try and make sure that as we build towards the pinnacle event or the next pinnacle event, which is the Olympics, we want to make sure that before we get to that point, that we've got 19 world class players or whatever that number is in our squad at the moment. It's 19, 
and that allows some really healthy internal competition. But it also means that um, we're pushing each other, we're pushing the game, we're pushing this team to new heights that we haven't reached before. I think that's really important if we want to be successful off the back of a gold medal in Tokyo. Um, so I guess, you know, the way that I see it is if you've got 19 athletes and then who's ready for the moment? I mean, sometimes we know, you know, sport can be harsh and, and rule people out through injury, and we saw that with Noel, Noel Williams at the Olympics. Um, but we just need to make sure that we've got people that can step into those positions if, and when needed. And you know, so that does mean that there are tough conversations, but it also means that the product that you put out on the field at a tournament, um, you know, the potential is huge and there is no ceiling of where, where this team could go. Talking to Corey Sweeney, he is the coach of the Black Fern Sevens team. We've talked about the hardest part of your job, which is telling the ones that haven't quite made the cut, um, but you don't cut them off, they get another opportunity. What is the best part of the job? And you're not allowed to say winning tournaments and stuff like that. I want to talk about the best part of the job for you as a person. Yeah, I think I've always said that you know the reason that I'm in the job is uh, the, the inspiring of aspirational achievement is something that that I hold close to me and every time that I walk in the door at work. Um, when you see a, a young player like a Reese Pody Lane into the building as a 16-year-old or, or a Georgia, um, and then to to see them be able to perform at the highest level with what can be perceived as pressure um, is, is just something massively rewarding. Um, so you have that end and then you have a, a Sarah Hidden that, that comes back and you know, leads this country, leads the Blackburn Sevens, then goes over and wins the World Cup with the 15s and then comes back and has a massive impact. Those are the special moments for me. Um, I love seeing people achieve well beyond, you know, what their dreams once, once, once said. So that's probably the highlight for me. Brilliant. Well, Corey, massive congratulations. Winning the last one in New Zealand for a while. I'd never rule a line of it out of it coming back to New Zealand at, at some stage, but um, no doubt, head down now, preparing for the next day. Eh? 100%. So the old physical and mental recovery over the next few days, and um, we look forward to having another crack in, in Sydney in a week's time. Brilliant. Go well. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Thank you. And they will rest and recover well, as they always do, don't they, as they prepare for the next uh, stanza. Alright, new sport and weather after that. We're talking NFL. We are going to talk some NFL shortly. We just got to get the lines up and running over in the states. In the meantime, had some good uh, some people contributing to their big ripoffs. We had our um, draft day on biggest ripoffs. Uh, Mikey says uh, the biggest ripoff, and a few people text this one through printer ink. It's more expensive than gold dust, and I. I use a laser printer and you can get, I think I've got a brother, I think it's a brother printer and you can get brother toner or um, a non-named toner, half the price. And it's exactly the same stuff, just without the brand on it. School uniform, $75 for a $10 t-shirt at the warehouse for the same price. Someone else has said a school uniform cost them... Oh, I can't find it. $600 for the whole school uniform for someone starting at a new school. Unbelievable scenes. Uh, staff, rip-offs for me are mountain bikes and road bikes. How can a bike be valued at from two and a half grand to 20 grand? A bike that has no motor, etc. You can buy a new motocross bike for cheaper than that. A carbon fibre top-of-the-line mountain bike. Steve. 
There we go. Anyway, time for some NFL chat, and I'm sad. I'm devastated. I'm not devastated. That's a bit too strong. I was very upset that Buffalo Bills, I followed them for ever since Doug Flutie days, knocked out yesterday. Joining us now to talk about that and the two games that we've got coming up this weekend. He's a wonderful man. He's joined us before. It's Ben Volum um, from the Boston Globe, senior NFL writer. Welcome in, Ben. Uh, thanks for having me. How are you guys doing? Oh, sad. Buffalo Bill, sad. <laughs> um, I felt like this was their year, Ben. Uh, it was. It should have been their year. They they thought it was their year too, and and they went out. You know, they suffered that devastating loss to the Chiefs in last year's playoffs, where they they gave up. You know, they they couldn't seal the game with just 13 seconds left. So they have this devastating loss, but they go out and they get Von Miller. He's the missing piece. They bring everyone back. They start the year on fire. You know, Bills are Super Bowl uh, favorites all year long. So it, it, on paper, th- this definitely you know, should have been their year, but two problems. One, the AFC is really strong. I mean, the Chiefs mm. and Bengals are no joke. And two, I just, I wonder about the mix on, on the coaching staff with the Bills this year. They they lost their offensive coordinator, Brian Dable. He became the head coach of the Giants. And I think that really hurt Josh Allen this year. They, they promoted Ken Dorsey to be the guy and, and he did a fine job, but I just, just the mixture was off a little bit. Josh Allen led the league in turnovers this year with 19, just very sloppy with the ball. They did okay yesterday. I thought the turnovers would be worse. They actually protected the ball okay against the Bengals, but they just didn't have any life yesterday. Didn't have a good plan for the snow. Just not very impressive. And and I think changes are coming on this Bills coaching staff, whether it's the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. It's not going to be Sean McDermott, but it feels like there, there are some changes coming and someone might take the fall for this performance. So, I mean, I'm with you. The bills are a great story. I don't know if you guys have ever been over here to the States, but Buffalo's is great, you know, blue collar working class town. These people just love the bills. Their, their tailgates, their, their, you know, their game uh, environments are just absolutely nuts. Um, they, they really get after it in Buffalo and it's a great crowd and that's a fan base that has stood by their team and they've been bad for 25 years now. And so they're finally back on top, but yeah, they, they, they can't uh, uh, finish it. They can't close in the playoffs, and that is something that's going to haunt them for a while now. Yes, look, I apologize to all Buffalo fans out there. 25 years is when I started supporting them. And <laughs> they haven't raised a sweat yet. I feel for Jim Kelly too. Gosh, he'll be wanting them to put that hoodoo away. But we've got four teams left and two really good games coming up. Philly against uh, San Francisco. Gosh, um, the Eagles from a long way out have been a lot of people's picks to win this. Yeah, and and not before the season, not when the records were 0-0. Zero and zero. I think people thought Philly would have a good team this year. No one expected Jalen Hurts to play like an MVP. A.J. Brown, the receiver they got from Tennessee, has been an unbelievable addition. Um, you know, that offense is is just really difficult to defend with the amount of playmakers they have. And then their defense has been a wrecking ball, and we saw that again against the Giants. They had five more sacks. They had the Eagles had 70 sacks this this season. The next best team had 55. So the the Eagles just can really get after the quarterback. You know, Brock Purdy, the the 49ers quarterback who's who's filled in here for Garoppolo and has done unbelievable. I mean, we haven't seen this since Tom Brady, where a guy comes out of nowhere 
like this, a rookie taken at the end of the draft, and now he's 7-0 and and really 8-0 and if you consider the game that he came in early as a replacement. So he's been great, but six of his eight wins have come at home. Now he's going to Philadelphia, a really, really tough environment. The fans really get after you there. They love their Eagles. They know how to make life miserable for the opposing team. The 49ers have the number one defense in the NFL. They are, are nasty on that side of the football as well. Um, uh, and I'm sorry, the Eagles. The Eagles are a top five defense in the NFL as well. So it's going to be a very difficult um, day for, for Brock Purdy, but it might be a difficult day for the Eagles too. So two really great defenses. I'm expecting kind of a low-scoring slugfest. Um, but the Eagles, I, I think this this is their year, and I expect them to be in the Super Bowl. The big story out of the, the other game, uh, Kansas City against the Bengals, as you mentioned, is Mahomes. A high ankle sprain. He'll probably play, but with that hindrance, you'd have to give the quarterback tick um, to Joe Burrow in this matchup. Yeah, and, and nothing against Mahomes, who's fantastic, but even without the injury, you might have to give it to Joe Burrow, and I just think that... That speaks to how fantastic he is, and and the NFL is lucky that they have all these great young quarterbacks, mostly in the AFC. You know, Burrow and Mahomes meeting in the AFC Championship for the second straight year, and there's Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence. Just a lot of great young quarterbacks right now, uh, starting with these two, and and Burrow, Burrow and the Bengals just keep getting better and stronger each week on on both sides of the ball. That was a just a total domination of the Bills in Buffalo, in bad weather that the Bengals haven't really played much in. Very, very impressive. Joe Burrow, nothing phases him. He's just so cool at all times. Makes it look so easy out there. He's got tremendous playmakers. The Bill, the Bengals defense, another team that just gets all over you, uh, especially up front. Uh, so, you know, look, uh, Patrick Mahomes is not going to be himself, but he's definitely going to play. And he came back in the second half the other day and, and, was fine did not take a sack through a touchdown um obviously the the ankle will will hinder him but he can operate from the pocket he's he's an excellent pocket cornerback and the way that he changes his arm angle and, and moves the the arm slot around he can make up for what he's missing with his ankle so the chiefs will still be operating at a high level on sunday this should be an excellent excellent football game the bengals have won 10 in a row i believe they haven't lost since halloween in, in late october and, and the Chiefs are obviously looking for revenge for, from that loss in overtime in the AFC Championship game last year. So that'll be a phenomenal game. But I, I'm liking the Bengals in that one. They, they are really strong. They're going on the road it almost is an advantage for them. They, they're us against the world mentality. And I'm just all in on Joe Burrow right now. I just think he's so cool as a, as a cucumber and, and really – really tough under pressure. As a Kiwi who's never been to an NFL game, when I watch on TV, I feel like the most intimidating home grounds to go to would be Kansas City and Oakland. How, how close am I? Uh, Kansas City is definitely top three. I think at one point, I'm not sure, Kansas City and Seattle have traded off with the Guinness Book of World Records, like loudest crowd. <laughs> but Arrowhead is famous for really loud fans. Uh, it's just this old 1970s era um, bowl stadium that captures the sound really well. And so, yeah, Arrowhead gets loud. Oakland was interesting. Oakland had some menacing fans, but the stadium would also be kind of half empty too. Mm. Uh, the, the couple times that I was there and the Raiders fell on some hard times, unfortunately. Uh, for a lot of their years there. And uh, 
um, the, 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 the attendance and the fan support wasn't always the perfect, but the black hole certainly brought out some characters. I would say Seattle, Philadelphia, those, those fans, I mean, the, the two, the two game scenarios this Sunday with Philly and Kansas city, those are two of probably the three or four most hostile environments and most raucous crowds that you're going to get uh, in the NFL. So that will make for a tough environment for the road team. I have confidence in Joe Burrow and we'll see what Brock Purdy and the 49ers can do. All right. Bengals hit the Super Bowl. Who do they play? Yeah, I like Bengals Eagles. That's the matchup I'm going with uh, right now. Just to me, they look like the two most complete teams, the two strongest teams. I'm, I'm definitely a little bit worried about Mahomes, his ankle, the offense being a little one-dimensional with him and Kelsey. Um, and, and then uh, the 49ers, like I said, unbelievable story. But Brock Purdy, a rookie, going on the road, that's a tough that's a tough ask. So uh, I, I like the Eagles and the Bengals to meet in the Super Bowl. Brilliant. Ben Volan out of Boston Globe. You're a great NFL writer and you're a great contributor to us. We always appreciate your time. I appreciate you. Thanks a lot, guys. Cheers. Ben Volan, um, sharing the the sympathy about the Buffalo Bills and his prediction is the Bengals and the Eagles to play in the Super Bowl. If you want to play in our Super Bowl that we call the Vault, give us a call now. 0800 $150 TRB bonus bet up for grabs. You get four questions. I get one. If you solve it, the money's yours. Call us now. Ten questions. One answer. <laughs> Can you crack the vault? It's not ten questions, it's five. It's five. We got Press Brad, the wrong button. From, Brad from Dunedin. Uh, send me push the wrong button, but we've got you there. G'day, buddy. How are we, team? Good, mate. You get uh, five questions, one of which can be me, uh, and you can slot me in at any time, and I've been thinking about this for 24 hours, what the vault is. Did you hear it yesterday? Uh, yeah, the majority of it, yeah. Okay. Now... Just before we do get started, I know we don't have a lot of time here, Steph, but before we get started, Brad, I just want to encourage you, should you ask a question like, is it a team sport, and I say no, try and stay away from team sport from that point on, Shut okay? Up, Common Sam. error from yesterday. <laughs> yeah, some of those were head scratching yesterday. But... <laughs> yeah, it was the pressure. It was the pressure of the moment. Right, you can kick us off. Um, is it a racket sport? Is it a racket sport? Yes, it is. narrow it down here is it tennis yes it is tennis Brad um, now it was post to uh, pre 2000 mm. um, I've only got one thing springing to mind so I might ask Steffi here okay I think you're on, the sa- you're on the same track as me does this involve a New Zealander playing in tennis pre 2000 so just hold on he's had two questions you've asked one does he get two more he gets two more does it involve a New Zealander playing tennis in the Northern Hemisphere pre-2000? No, it does not. Ooh! Yeah, that's me, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, it's not Chris Lewis. <laughs> come on, Brad. So you got two questions, mate, to try and just get it as close as you can. Oh, I can't remember if the hemispheres was asked yesterday. It was, um, yeah. It was in the north. I'll give you that one because Steph was just talking about that before. Um, I'm just going to presume it's in a major. Um, uh, 
something out. Um, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna, we're running out of time. Um, is it in Wimbledon? It is in Wimbledon. Mm. One question remaining before I guess, Brad. Um, does it involve? Doesn't involve well, so we'll go Novak Djokovic. Doesn't involve Novak Djokovic. No, it doesn't. So there you go. There you have five, Brad. You got one guess, one opportunity to win 150 bucks to have your bonus bet. You got 20 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> um, absolutely stand here, but go. Um, Roger Federer beats. Oh no, that's posted the other. Um, I don't know. McEnroe beats. Beyond Borg in the 1980 something. Okay. Final I'll, I'll put it in. Access. No, it wasn't oh. it, Brad, but you did lay some fantastic groundwork like you say, Steph. I think we're going to get it on we're Thursday. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. We'll resume our money. Thank you very much, Brad. Back in a moat. Gull, fueling your mission. Pop into your local for some good value fuel. Gull.nz, getting you through the day like a hot cuppa after lunch. You're listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. It's just a live game of college basketball on Duke playing Virginia Tech. The guy's just put up a shot and it's gone in and he's swung around to celebrate to punch the air and he's punched one of the opposition straight in the chin. <laughs> And it may have broken his jaw. Oh, horrendous. Uh, we were talking about the biggest ripoffs. $600 for one boy's uniform. Someone is texting. Mobile phones have become obsolete and won't accept updates after a couple of years. What a ripoff. Uh, Staffy, I chuck in airline tickets and accommodation. Airline tickets at the moment are horrendous. 5 to $6 for bottled water at Eden Park. A can of beer is $10 and a burger is 15 I'm lucky I work at Auckland Cricket so I get the benefits. I don't have to pay for tickets or food but I do feel sorry for the general public attending the prices are definitely putting people off um, and wet wipes are an absolute rip off they're 99% water but it's probably bottled water that's why it's so expensive Kenny I'm with you can have some rugby league chat after news at 3 John McNeil with that Gull fueling your mission pop into your local for some good value fuel gull.nz from lunch through to tea this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Love songs till four o'clock with uh, Afternoons with Staffy's Stevie Wonder, assistant producer. Got the sunnies on in the booth, having a great time. Brad's just texted through and said, Thursday's vault winner should surely have to sling me a 50. We're getting close. We're getting close. Uh, that'll be Thursday. We're close. Um, rugby League. Collective employment agreement. What is it, Sam, that they're having issues bargaining. with over there? Collective bargaining agreement. So my understanding is that the broadcasting deal has come in and the revenue's gone up. And I remember before I went away on holiday that um, the NRL came out and announced increased 
contribution to the players, increased contribution, which was almost embarrassingly low for the NRLW. Um, where are they at with that now? Yeah, so um, probably a good sort of starting point for a lot of people who are maybe seeing, particularly the um, teal tiles on it, on all the NRL players' Instagram, which is sort of them showing support for one another. They're posting these teal squares on oh, okay. Instagram. So people might have been seeing those, wondering what's going on or sort of don't have a full grasp of the situation. So, look, it, very similar to American sport where um, when a new broadcast deal is comes into effect, which is what's happening with the NRL this year with um, Channel 9, Fox and Sky, um, they've got an increase in revenue. So I think the last deal or, or a deal they did for five years back in 2012 was worth about $1.08 billion across the five years. That is now worth over $2 billion, this new one. So it's nearly doubled in the last sort of 10 years. Mm-hmm. When they bring in new revenue, you know, naturally they give it to, and I think Abdo has come out and said, you know, give it to grassroots, give it to, you know, various initiatives to grow the game, etc. But a big chunk of it also goes to the players. I mean, they're the ones that are playing the game and you know, bringing in a lot of the revenue. So that generally means an increase in salary cap. Because obviously the players are limited by what the clubs under the salary cap can pay them. So you bring in more money, you increase the salary cap. That means, you know, rather than we talk about this marquee player being worth $1 million, they now might be worth $1.5 million, you know, or $2 million. So they're getting paid more as well. Um, Where the issue has sort of come in is not so much the fact, and the the players have sort of said that it's not actually specifically about the money for them. Like people just think, oh, they want to be paid more. I think they do want to be paid a little bit more. But actually what really upset them was that um, just before Christmas, the NRL announced the increased salary cap, but didn't consult anyone. They didn't consult the Rugby League Players Association. They didn't consult any of the players onto what an increased salary cap. They just basically announced it. And then I think it was like an hour or two after, they sent out to all the players, this is the new salary cap and here's the structure for contracts, etc. The players were very, very upset by that because they want, as I said, a lot more than just the money. So part, part, um, some of the things that they're wanting, for example, is at the moment, I think, um, if you get an injury, the NRL covers the costs of the injury and the rehab up to 12 months of the space of the injury. But we all know that there are injuries that go beyond that, mm. especially with rehab and stuff, right? Like concussion is a good one, where you can have a fix for a, lo- a much longer time than just 12 months. They also want better support for pl- players that have retired. Because once again, you know, that knee injury that you did when you were 25, now you need physio when you're 50 because, you know, old age is caught up with you, but your knee that you bunged when you're 25 now is really giving you trouble. And so, you know, they want sort of better support structures for players that have moved on. Um, The other one is um, the NRL at the moment is very short and fast. So players' careers are, are hard and short, you know, that they're only 10 also years they're very very physical hard so you know they want better support around players that are leaving um, and transitioning to proper careers you know is there some sort of fund they can set up to help players transition out of that um, and then if we look at the women's side the women they've got a lot more to fight for because they're starting obviously from a lower point so they want more money but they want things like maternity they want better maternity leave they want better contract security and this also goes for um, young players in NRL clubs that are playing say under 20s or under 18s they want better financial security that, you know, I'm on, let's, I don't know what that is, but let's just say it's 40k a year to be a, an under-20s player. Well, you know, they, they sort of need to know, is that my career path or, you know, am I going to make the NRL or am I just sort of wasting time and not getting an education, et cetera, here on this? So lots of things that they want under this collective bargaining agreement that they would have liked to sit down with the NRL and talk about 
at least, I think, is where they're upset mm. in all of this. Um, so that's sort of where it's at. And, and it, well, actually, no, it's gotten to the point now where, um, so on the media day, the NRL does a big media day almost to start the season. And on the media day, they they didn't the players didn't tell anyone, so the cameras all showed up, the media team all showed up, everything. Players didn't show up, and I don't, I'm not sure if one player maybe did, or a message basically got sent that we're boycotting on the media day, we're not showing up, and no one was told about that. So the media are obviously very annoyed that they had all shown up and set up the cameras and put put a day aside, etc. And they didn't show up, and they've basically come out and said anything NRL related we're not going to do until we've sorted this out, which may include playing in round one come the first week of March. We're at this crossroads here away. where we're at this crossroads here where you know we might see a player lockout here, play a boycott. Um maybe not all of them, although you know the more of them do it, the bigger the message is, but I'm not sure if all of them are willing to do it. But certainly a big chunk of players are, are willing to forego the start of the season in order to get this right. And then there's all these other stories coming in like at the American rugby league competition, which personally I don't have you know a clue about Steph, have contacted the NRL and said, hey, if you want some players, if there's a lockout and you want some players, sign us up. It's like when the NHL has lockouts mm. and they all just go play in their local leagues. You know, they don't play in the NHL, they go play in their local leagues. So, um, yeah, all sorts of stuff going on. And um, I thought, you know, across the ditch over, in East, uh, over on our ECN stations over there, obviously a much hot, hotter topic in the Australian markets. And um, they've spoken to a bunch of players and, and, and um, current players about what's going on and what their sort of thoughts are. So I've cut up a few of them, Steph. Um, Ricky Stewart, um, who sort of tempers, um, I guess, the players' attitudes first and foremost by saying that, you know, we first need to recognise that, you know, the last couple of years have been an absolute nightmare. We were on the brink of financial collapse and look at where we're at now. So I think he sympathises with, with Abdo and Peter Volandis a little bit. I've got all the faith in the world in Peter and um, Andrew running the game. I really do. I mean, they, um, uh, if it wasn't for, wasn't for Peter, uh, I don't know where we'd be because we were going broke. Mm. I don't know how they've done it, but now now they're paying out millions and millions of dollars. We're we're flush. Well, when I say flush, we're a lot healthier than where we were before COVID. Fortunately, now we're a lot healthier from a financial point of view. So, you know, we can't forget that. But mm. I understand players have got uh, uh, their gripes and, and rights, and they'll fight for that. I think that sort of Ricky might be on Team Abdo Velandis there. And, you know, maybe he's got a point, Steph, and I certainly am only really giving the players' perspective here. I, I haven't heard much out of the NRL side in terms of why they, you know, refuse to meet demands, et cetera. I'm sure there are a lot of costs from post-COVID, you know, oh, that, they're trying, that they're trying to deal with. Uh, here's Kurt Capel, of course, uh, was with the, with the um, Broncos and the Panthers. Um, here's his take on it. And at the moment, we're not doing the NRL stuff. Um, hopefully, Peter and Abdo can get to a table and... You know, I realise that it's starting to have an effect on the game. The longer the CBA drags out, the worse it's going to have an effect. So we're ready to negotiate. We hope they are too. The way I see it is there hasn't been enough discussion. The NRL, they've come back with another, uh, what we believe is very unfair, proposition for a CBA. And, yeah, we've sort of had enough of sitting at a table and not being heard. So we don't want it to get to that. You know, we love the game and we would never want to see it not on the TV screens and let the fans down. So what we want as a playing group, is the NRL to come to the table and be ready to negotiate. They try and paint a picture of us. They wave a shiny toy in our face and um, hoping that we're silly enough just to run into that CBA. But 
Um, there's still you know, so many parts of the CBA and so many parts where they're nowhere near it as we think and we're prepared to yeah fight for what we think's fair. So, you know, pretty strong from Kurt Capel there that they're not really backing down. Example of a senior player who probably, like I said, would be very willing to forego it. I just wonder if some of the junior players who, you know, don't want to get offside, you know, with with a team or a coach or a club or whatever, um, may not make the oh, same the call. Peer, pre- <clears throat> peer pressure will be extreme mm. with the youngsters. Yeah, and then the other one was Wade Graham um, from the Sharks, who I think was speaking on uh, SC in Sydney over there as well. This was his thoughts. It's hard to go line by line. Like the CBA is a lot of fever. One, one thing would be like a transfer window, which sort of takes away different aspects of, of, of rights. I'm not saying that the current system we have with contracting and player movement is, is the... Is the best system, but certainly something needs to be looked at. You know, with the NRL and the RPA working together, and that the way it's proposed at the moment isn't anywhere near that. So there's one example, but like they go line by line through the whole thing. It's it's a it's a pretty deep document to be, like it's, it's all our terms and conditions. So they yeah, like I said, there's plenty of stuff in their staff that they are looking at implementing from a player's point of view. Way Graham, they're mentioning as some sort of a transfer window probably makes it easier for players to plan around. They know that they might be on the move in July or whatever, rather than just getting sort of sent off you know, abruptly or mid-season or at the end of the season or what we've got at the moment where you sign for two years and, you know, you sort of sign a year and a half in advance. Mm. Um, but the one that really I found really, really interesting was actually with Patton Heels. Um, and they're in Queensland, aren't they? Patton Heels, yes. their, their breakfast show over there. And uh, they uh, spoke with uh, Broncos superstar in the NRLW, Ali Briggenshaw, and she was very, very strong on the woman's side of it. So um, this is, I've got the sort of full interview here that I'll just play out, and uh, you'll get a good sense, I think, from how the females, and they're also part of the NRLPA, how they are... Um, I guess, unhappy with what's been going on with the CBA. Uh, yeah. Right, Ali, how are you holding up physically and then mentally? And then, you, you know, w- w- which is under more strain, you reckon, in the years to come? Um, physically, I feel great. Um, I've probably never felt better. Um, the body's great. Uh, fitness levels are great. Uh, mentally, it's a little bit draining, I guess. Um, I say this often is having to fight every year for... Um, you know, better better ways of playing rugby league or better support systems. Every yes. year we're, we're fighting an uphill battle and sometimes I say to myself, why do I keep doing this? It's draining. But then I remember that the future is why we're doing it. So the sleepless nights I don't get, um, that I do get now, um, is for the future of young girls so they can just play and enjoy the game. Mm. Yeah, well said. Because I mean, you're such high profile and you're so eloquent when you talk about it. So sum it up in a nutshell. Where are we with this CBA? We know the comp's extending to 10 teams. Canberra, Cronulla, North Queensland, West Tigers are coming on board. But you don't know a whole heap more, do you, at the moment? No. To be honest, I haven't stood on a football field since um, World Cup final. And that's purely out of... Um, stress around uh, not wanting to get injured. So for me, it's fitness away from a football field, um, a jog or a light walk just to keep the body going because um, it's too risky to to take part in any trainings or, or anything like that. And that's what's frustrating. We are so far behind and every year we're doing this. Every year we're so far behind and then a week or two before we're meant to start, we actually get things sorted and, you know, that just causes immense pressure. It's already hard enough to juggle jobs and try and play rugby league. 
let alone fight every battle and then just be given what you get um, is not good enough. Mm. And this is why we need a CBA so it's in place and we can get rid of that stress. And you've just got zero faith that your club would look after the expenses of a surgery, for example. Yeah, it's just the unknown. Mm. So, like some clubs could step up and say, you know, we'll look after you, but they could also turn around and say, hey, unfortunately, you're not contracted with us. You'll have to find find some other help. Yeah, there's no insurance. Um, huh? And that's yeah, there's no. That's the scary part about it. You can ask, but why should they? pay out money when there's no contract in place like i get both sides of it it's just yeah it's a tricky it's a tricky place and um yeah a lot of girls struggle with it so i can understand why you're struggling because clint newton from the rlpa is saying that he wants to make the women's game a priority we've always had the impression that Andrew Abdo is a, is a wonderful supporter of the women's game, wants to make it stronger. They, they, they must look with envy at what the AFL has got at the moment. Um, why is this taking so long, Ali? Have, have you got any idea? Yeah, well, um, Andrew says he's on board, but I think there's some people in there that are questioning um, what, what we deserve. And we want multi-year contracts. We want yearly contracts. And there's some people in there that are saying that we don't don't deserve that. We've we've had a major sponsor come on board and take priority in the women's game, yet their money's not actually going towards the women's game. So I don't understand how a major company wants to sponsor the women's game, yet the money doesn't go towards it. That just doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Um, that's how the women's game will function is with major sponsors, and we have done with so long with Telstra and Harvey Norman that a big bank has come on board and, yeah, we don't get to see any of that money to help the women's game. Well, that's, well, certainly not growing the coffers for you. That That's for sure. Oh, to me, this is worse than for the men, you know, your uncertainty, uh, because the men are, you know, reasonably trusting that in, the, in their club structure. Um, but how are you represented, represented? Are you one of the reps in there battling through this um, alley or, you know, how widespread are our reps? Uh, I am a player delegate and there is quite a few of us. Um, Then there's like a leadership group within the RLPA where we get together and then um, Chelsea Leonard, who actually sits on the board um, and she, yeah, does all the the tricky stuff and all the fighting up high um, along with Lena and... um, Clint at the RLPA. So we do have a big base that is fighting for this um, and with the boys a um, bit of power in there that are helping us through and just we're fighting for them as well. Um, you know, yeah. they haven't got everything they need through their um, uh, CBA. So we're fighting for them and they're fighting for us and we are very united as a group. Like we are, we're on calls together. We understand what's happening in the men's game and they understand our game and that's how we're going to get through it together. So perfect world, and it gets sorted out this afternoon. When would you hope to be playing in this new 10-team comp? Well, it, the time will still be around June. Yep. We'll, um, State of Origin will cross over with the NRLW pre-season. So we're fine with the time, um, even though it's not set in exact times. We've got to play the BMD comp locally, Queensland and New South Wales comps at the moment. Um, but we just need that 
those those contracts so we can have that insurance so we can go play some football before we go and play on the biggest stage in the state of origin because mm. right now we don't have that and you know what you've got to do with your employer as well because you're, you're sort of semi-pro some are probably pro and some are semi-pro eh? but so there's uh, multi-year contracts um, that you're after there's these in injury security um, of insurance and and payment um, what else anything Pregnancy policy, it's its mainly the policies. It's not about the money. No. It's about the policies that are inside the CBA. Yep. So support structure, they're turning around saying we have to pay for our health insurance. Mm-hmm. Right. Hey, well, um, and that's about $3,500 a year. Yeah, which is crazy. They could do worse than just put that so, up yeah. straight away for you. Like, yeah. that, that's, yeah. that's... So they have done that. They used our money last year to do that. So... Um, but now they've said that they're not going to pay for it, and then that's going to be on the players. Hey, just you know, and we've got we, we've got to go because the end of the show is <laughs> coming. But it, it doesn't yeah. seem to me, in your mind, the way you're talking at the moment, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel in the immediate future. Uh, not yet. We were close, and now they've taken some back um, backward steps. So we know they can come to the party. Um, I'm not sure what's holding them back, but. As a playing group, we are very strongly united. So yeah. we're going to fight through this together. Whereas um, the past couple of years, it may have been you know the core older groups within that have been standing up. But we've got the younger girls on board, and we're going to fight this as an NRLW playing group. Mm, this is unbelievable. What chance are the men of starting their season? You, yeah. you think you'll probably be able to start in June, but will you get enough you know pre pre season games in in the BMD, for example? The, the men are no chance, hey? The, the, these policies yeah. that you're all fighting for, and they're, they're fighting for post-career stuff. I'm sure there's some post-career stuff you girls can can fight for as well. Um, but but they take documentation. They take weeks to document and, and close all the loopholes, and they're, they're no chance of starting if they're going to wait for that, are they? Yeah, and that's what I think they think the men will just turn around and play, but I know strongly that they are all holding their ground and they won't be playing until things are sorted. So, And oh, they're boy. fully supported by the RLPA union. So, yeah, it's going to be a hairy couple of weeks, um, I guess, because the men's game's just about to start and they need to get it sorted. Yeah, and, they, and it takes longer than they've got. But what about concussions yeah. for your, your game? Does that need to be addressed at all? I think the men have got con- some concerns around it. Um, I'm not fully across the concussion stuff, but um, I know that whatever the men are doing around um, physical things, essentially in the game, that the girls' game is on board with that. Yeah. So um, we've we've come a long way since the first year of NRLW with concussion protocols and things like that. So no doubt we'll be going up again this year. Always a delight to talk to you. Uh, it's sad that it's got to this stage, and I, I hope uh, I hope that it can be sorted out ASAP. But speaking to you this morning, it doesn't sound like it's going to happen tomorrow. Yeah, we can see why it's so draining, Ali. Thanks a lot. But uh, yeah. good luck with no your worries. fitness Thank away you from the footy field. Yeah. yeah. Let's hope we can get on the field soon. Thank you. That's staggering. Yeah, I mean, and I just thought as I was listening to that, Steph, I mean, imagine New Zealand rugby players talking like that on a radio station about New Zealand rugby and the they people. Need that, to do this. Oh, yeah, just, I, it was very refreshing. But, um, yeah, I, I I sort of, from what everything you've heard, Steph, they're, they're going to hold the ground. That I mean, the NRL, which starts on March the 3rd as that first weekend, you know, by all measures, 
you know may not go ahead. Certainly not in the way we think about it with all the players and all the teams in action. It's just going to be very interesting to see how it all plays out. And interesting too that the the men's game and the women's game are united. Correct. This. And I like that the women mm-hmm. are standing by the men and the men are standing, the NRL and yep. the NRLW are standing. So, and you can hear the passion and this is this is like landmark stuff. They know that it's not just about the here and now. They're putting the stake in the ground for a long time. And it reminded me, listening to that, the Silver Lake deal. And the reason that took so long was the players weren't happy with the divvying of the pie. They were due 37.5%. I've made that up, but a, a certain percentage. They say, well, we still want to maintain that same percentage, and the rugby union will know. And that's why it took so long. Didn't get to a strike situation. Mm. Well, Ali Brigginshaw was saying that, and she's got huge standing in the game, male or female, in Australia. She doesn't see the men playing. No. So, look, it's going to be an interesting – I don't know what we're going to commentate, Steph, but uh, – We'll do the Indigenous All-Stars game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's hope the Warriors do, uh, do <laughs> kick off their season, season on March 3. Food for thought. Take a breath. We'll come back. Yeah, still digesting what's going on with the NRL over there. Um, that is a story that is going to grow legs and uh, walk along and then jog and then sprint. And then maybe they're all going to sit down and first week of March, did you say, Sam, is the NRL? First week in March, we're due. So there's going to have to be some hurried negotiations. And who will buckle first? Um, interesting, uh, Ali mentioned there that uh, she thought, she thinks the NRL think the players will just play. But she doesn't think they will. Incredible. Um, the rip-offs keep coming through. Here's a rip-off for you, Steph. Buying diesel kilometres. <laughs> Road user charges. Oh, dear. Um, And just before we go to the new staffy, I'd say Eddie Jones will get his NRL players that he's after. Yeah, even Foster might get his his guy if this league situation keeps up. But I'm not surprised at all. Now, didn't we... We thought we might have seen Joey Manu in the cafeteria next door this morning. Uh, and of course, we shared the same building as New Zealand Rugby. And we, we thought we saw Joey Manu out here. No, it wasn't. It was a lookalike. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, with this unrest, we're talking about ripoffs. You might get a bargain of a good rugby league player or a former rugby player who's gone to league to get them go back to rugby. Interesting times ahead. Anyway, we'll go to new sport and weather coming up the, in the last half hour. We'll find out uh, what happened back in the day. We'll catch up with Julian King out of SEN. But right now, new sport and weather. Here's what happened back in the day. Really crackly and authentic, the sound of that. Back in the day, which is January 24, 1990, the Los Angeles Lakers' Pat Riley became the 13th coach to reach 500 victories, getting there faster than any other coach as the Lakers beat the Indiana Pacers 120 to 111. At 500 wins and 184 losses, Riley surpassed Don Nelson, who was 503-17 when he reached that milestone. Another good 30 for 30 was on Pat Riley. Uh, 1997 on January 24, 16-year-old Martina Hingis became the youngest Grand Slam champion of the 20th century. Is that the vault? With a 6-2, 6-2 win over former champion Mary Pierce to capture the first of three consecutive Australian Open titles in Melbourne. No audio. Um, no, it's not Wimbledon. Um, 1999. I remember this. David Duval, well known for wearing Oakley sunglasses whilst playing golf, 
Uh, he became only the third player to shoot a sub-60 round in PGA Tournament play, posting a 59 in the final round to win the Bob Hope Classic. Uh, he went on, uh, sorry, he went out in 31 and came home in 28 and he fired 11 birdies, made a six-foot eagle on the 18th to win by a single stroke, 59. And the person before that was... Can't remember. Uh, birthdays. Here we go. Jumbo Asaki, speaking of golf, uh, Japanese golfer, played mostly on the Japanese tour, turned up in a few of the majors and played, I think, a season or two on the PGA Tour. He turned 76 today. Billy Bush, all-black prop, absolute legend icon, 74. Big happy birthday, Billy. Uh, Jim Montgomery, American swimmer, 68 today. Luke Egan, uh, another legendary Australian surfer. He turns 53 today. Crockzilla is 40. Guilford away to Williams. Offload in the tackle beautifully. Maitland! He's got runners left and right. Reed inside to Crockett! What a try! White Crockett. Happy birthday at... Um, it's got a sports shop in Nelson. Is it Sterling Sports? It's one of those. Happy birthday, Croc. Um, didn't finish playing long ago, a couple of years. He played a long, long time. I think he's still the most capped Super Rugby player of all time. On this day in 1973, the number one movie was The Poseidon Adventure. And the number one song was by Carly Simon. What a voice. believe you faded that out. She's got one of the greatest voices of all time. Carly Simon. I think. Let it go again. 79 years old. Just had to quickly look that up. 1 metre 80. <laughs> ah, Carly Simon, fantastic. Um, very soon we're going to catch up with um, I was going to say Jimmy Smith, but Julian King in the seat today across the ditch um, interesting to get the take of the Australians because the media has been all over this uh, collective bargaining agreement over there in Australia I wonder how how inclusive in the discussions the one New Zealand warriors are in this because you know different country but I, I guess Tohu Harris will be involved as captain of the warriors I haven't seen anything from the warriors players I, Cameron George addressed it with drive Oh, sorry, the run home yesterday. Um, I, I'm not sure if he was in support or against, but I haven't seen much of the Warriors players. So, yeah. What do you? What's your best guess? Like you, oh, you're, my best you're guess is they'll. Man. My best guess is that they'll come to an agreement before scheduled play. Yeah, I think. And and to um, Heels' point, who he was saying that it takes a long time to put things into litigation. That's very true, but it would very much be a. This is what we're going to do for you. This, 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 and this. Great, awesome. We can play now. 
we'll sort out the the details over the next few months. Yeah, it's just getting it in writing that that's what they're going to do. They'll, they'll tick off on the big subjects, and the finer details can come later. But mm-hmm. let's, let's just but I think it will code. be a big stress. Like I I wouldn't be surprised if it only gets sorted out like a week before the season starts. You know, and there's real pressure to have it go ahead. Um, but very often, and it's sort of the same in everyday life with unions and stuff, right? Very often the employees are the ones who end up getting what they want because they're the ones who aren't going to show up to work. Mm. And there's not much that employers can do. So interesting times. So I'll be interested to hear what Julian King has to say about it. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And there's been all sorts of uh, stories in the in the press over in Australia when, when you think about um, Kirtley Beale's situation, Michael Clark's situation with um, Carl Stefanovich involved. They never shy of a controversial story over there in Australia. So that is where we'll head after this break. Julian King from SEN will be joining us. Yeah, You're So Vain uh, by Carly Simon. It's so much speculation about who the song she was talking about. You walked into the party like you were walking into a yacht. You're So Vain, I think the song is, I bet you think the song is about you. Warren Beatty is the um, supposed one. We're going to Australia now. Hello, Staffy. Hello, mate. I'm not sure they can hear me. I can't hear them. If you can hear me, boys, sit tight. We've got a few gremlins in the system here. We'll come back to you in a moment. Uh, oh, well, it looks like you can't hear us. That was interesting. <laughs> I'll carry on. Warren Beatty is the one that's so vain, apparently, um, that Carly Simon wrote it about. She kept it secret for years and years and years. And in the mid-2000s, there was uh, a charity auction and the winner of the auction, she would tell them who the song was about. And uh, the auction item went for $50,000, but the condition was the winner of the auction wasn't allowed to tell anyone. So the guy won the auction for $50,000, and um, she whispered, allegedly, Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. There you go. Um, the great Carly Simon. Um, married James Taylor. Another great singer-songwriter. Had a couple of kids. Um, and she's getting on. She's getting on as Carly Simon. I don't know what's happening with Australia. Are we in um, connections with them? Oh, they're sending me messages from Australia. No, Sam, you bring me up to date. Or are you going to talk to Australia? Uh, no, no, I was just going to talk to you. I was uh, just having a listen in. But, um, we can hear them and they can't hear us. Yeah. They, little, yeah. We've, look, we've done everything right on our end. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> Um, we have done everything right. It's the Australian connection, I believe. Mm. Keep my keep my ears on them at the same time, but no, nah, they can't hear us, Steph. So, because normally I can see them on my little TV screen thing that I've got here, and I can't see them. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's blank. The one that they normally are is that little stick figure person. Okay. blank. Well, I did have something I did want to talk to you about on the show today, which we haven't had time to talk about. So well, now we have. Now we have until we hear. Uh, the Aussies, and I'm just going to keep clicking that button to see if I can hear them. Um, Steph, I read an interesting article this morning, and I told you about it in the office. Um, it's an article that came out last year, but I came across it this morning, um, thanks to an Instagram post. Uh, it's about when you're playing golf, whether you leave the flag in when you're putting. Oh, this was and um, I've got a mate that I played with over summer who said leave it in all the time. He was like, always leave it in. And I'm an always out kind of guy. So they, people always ask me, I say, always out. Don't ask me, always out. Once I've got my line and everything, I don't need the flag there, really. I don't need it there. So take it out. He always, he always has it in. So Golf Digest um, wrote an article, um, some research from a guy from MIT, a scientist from MIT, who 
used like a very precise putting mechanism that basically set in the putt in the exact same way, same speed, same angle, every single time and started conducting tests. And what he basically found, I'm paraphrasing here because a lot of science jargon, but what he found was that 99.9% of the time you should take the flag out. Mm. And that it either doesn't help you or it hinders you. And how many times, and I was just watching a video before actually of um, the American Express over the weekend where a player, where a player was um, robbed because the ball hit the flag as he putted, hit the flag and bounced away. And if the flag wasn't there, it probably would have gone in. So there's a little tip for you. If you, uh, you're you always wondering, in or out, take it out every time, Steph. I never Don't even think about it. Like my formative years of golf was you couldn't have the flag in. Like you could have it held if you were a decent distance away. You could have it held. But for me, you have the size of the hole because there's a flag in the middle of it. And I know he's there now. We've got your staffy loud and clear. Oh, we'll be discussing leaving the flag in or out when you're putting. Uh, this is interesting, actually. I'm I'm a flag out kind of guy. Me too. It's it's a bit purer. I, I, I'm not, I guess, traditional in that respect where, you know, it's a golf is such stickler for traditions, aren't they? That, it, you know, oh, you can't have the flag out. Oh, no, you can't wear shorts on the course. Oh, I'm not like that. <laughs> you know, for me, it's too expensive. It's still very much seen as elitist game. In fact, Paul Gow, a former tour professional, had this idea of, Rather than nine holes, nine holes, break it up so you can go six, six, and six. Yeah, yeah. Of course, courses aren't designed like that because the ninth takes you back to the clubhouse. But, you know, say I finish work, I don't have time for nine, but I just want to bash around, knock out a quick six holes. I think that's a good way to encourage people into the sport. Yeah, there's a, there's a club here, Remuera Golf Club, who have a wonderful driving range there as well. They have a thing. I don't know if it's still going, but they used to have a Thursday night. It was called uh, something at six, and it was six holes, Teeing off at six o'clock, and you paid twenty or thirty bucks for your six holes, and you got a handle of beer or a schooner, I think you call them, and and a pizza. Perfect. Sounds like a, sounds like a good day out. Mm, perfect. I, I tell you what, when I get over to Auckland, uh, Staffy, we're going to have to hit the hit the links, my friend. I look forward to it. I haven't yeah. been able to play for over a year because of my dicky shoulder, but it is slowly but surely coming right by about 0.1%. Oh, no, no, I see what you're doing here. You've got the dicky shoulder. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to play it, and he's going to absolutely blitz me. He's going to pull what we call in Australia a Novak Djokovic. You talk up your injury and wipe the floor with your opponents, Mark. <laughs> it's actually fair dinkum. I can't play. I am desperate to I am Because des- Sammy, producer Sammy's, mm. got into golf about a year ago, and he is frothing it and he is loving it and I go to the driving range with him I try and help him out and I can't play I was my uncles were over from Australia at oh, Christmas no. I went and watched them play I can't play it's driving me nuts King Ayo oh kind of like having a steering wheel down the front of your pants it's driving <laughs> me nuts hey uh, how much traction has Eddie's appointment got it's got people talking here I can tell you it's interesting you phrase it like that, like how much attention has Dave Rennie sacking got? That's got a lot over here. The way it was done um, was... 6 a.m. Zoom meeting? I thought it was poor. Yeah. See, that can't be good. Are you free, free to jump on a Zoom at 6? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, and, 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 I, and I think I saw some footage of him doing a, a media stand-up, uh, Wallabies in training, him doing a stand-up the day before he got the Archer. It's it, not very well handled. Yeah, if I was yeah. a world-class rugby player, would I be preferred to be Coached by Eddie Jones or Dave Rennie, regardless of um, regardless of nationality, Dave Rennie all day. Mm. Interesting, you say that. Inter- you know, he's only got a short turnaround time. 
Eddie. He has. He's, you know, so he's getting two paychecks at the moment. So good luck to him. I, I wasn't sure he'd return, but, you know, it could all end in tears or it could all end in in jubilation and celebration. Yeah, I tell you what, either way, and I think Tim Horan said this, the great Tim Horan on social media, strap yourselves in, it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah. And most certainly it, it will, but, you know, it, it's a PR masterstroke because people are talking about rugby, which, as you know, Staffy, yep. has suffered. Yep. Has suffered in this country where people, at, you ask any man on the street, they, they couldn't name you more than four of the starting side. No. They couldn't name you four. They, could, they could name a former Australian cricket test captain who... Must, must have had a violent reaction to some sort of food or drink or something. It made him turn into something we're not used to, Michael Clark. Oh, we're doing that again. You know, well, we Michael. don't have to, but we haven't spoken to anyone from Australia since since it happened. He's got the dicky hammy. All it's cost him is his commentary gig too, Michael Clark. So, mm. you know, don't have a few drinks and uh, go out in the Noosa Park. Uh, we'll leave it at that. Mate, unfortunately, <laughs> we're run out of time. We're oh. uh, we going to talk later this week, though, aren't we? Yeah, we will. Beautiful. We'll pick up where we left off. Let's Thank you, Staffy. Thanks, Julian. Good on you. Julian King out of his I was only just getting started. We didn't even get to ask him about the NRL CBA, but that's okay. Well, we'll yeah. Next, later on in the week, we might have some more details. Yeah, there will be some more. We'll see if we can find out um, Warriors' stance on it, actually. We'll see if we can try and figure out. Should we try and get Tohu Harris on the show? Because he's probably the player's rep because Could he's do. the captain. Yep. Let's try and work on that. For Thanks, t- Sean. We're even tomorrow. We'll try it for tomorrow yeah, or Thursday not? and just see where they're at and where he's at with it um, and what he thinks the resolution is going to be. All right, last break before we head off. The run home. They're warming up. They're greasing up. I can see them outside the window. They'll be with you in about seven or eight minutes. We'll wrap off this show after our last break. Listening to Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. And just for any little reminder, if you've missed some of the show, um, what did we have today? Uh, Chloe Knott, uh, Wellington Phoenix women's midfield, uh, midfielder, on the back of their 5-0 win over Canberra, their first win in the A-League for women. Fantastic chat with her. Corey Sweeney, the Black Fern Sevens coach, after his side uh, clinched Another victory in the Hamilton Sevens. They were fantastic in the weekend and unearthed some more young talent. Uh, spoke to Ben Volan, uh, Boston Globe senior NFL writer. Tried to get him to ease me through the pain of watching the Buffalo Bills losing yesterday. He couldn't do it. <clears throat> but we've got two massive games coming up this weekend to find out our Super Bowl protagonists. Also spoke to Julian King eventually across the ditch, and we had some really good cuts out of um, our SEM partners over in Australia about this collective bargaining agreement that could well affect the start of the NRL, which is due to go in March. Let's hope they can get it sorted out. Big thanks to all of you for your phone calls and your texts. As always, thank you to Sammy H, Big Shift, Captain K. Sunglasses half the time. Need to get the bottom of that. Run home. It's coming up.